Bandwidth for April has been provided by Cashfly, the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. Cashfly delivers all of our content here at 5x5, and they are the best. Check them out at cashfly.com, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y, and let them know that you heard about them here on 5x5. Matt McInerney, New York. Andy Mangold, Baltimore, Maryland. Dan Auer, San Francisco. We recorded this on April 2nd, 2015. This is On The Grid, episode 109. This week, we are joined by our guest, Satchel Drakes. He joined us for a conversation about constantly striving to better ourselves and an issue dealing with female streamers on Twitch. Here we go. So we have a guest this week. His name is Satchel Drakes. Hi. He is a senior UX designer at Nickelfish. You probably know him from his YouTubing at youtube.com slash satchbags. He's also a podcaster. He has a podcast called Cinephilia Anonymous. Welcome. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. This is of a course. privilege. I feel like it's been a long time coming. Actually, you're the first guest who has actually been featured on the Happy Ending segment before. I think that's never happened before. Yeah. That's we, pretty Dan tight. talked about how great you were, and we actually thought you were so great we invited you on the show. Yep. Oh, dude, that's sweet. I think you guys are great. Next week, we're going to find out who Longmont Potion Castle is, have him on the show. Uh, we're going to solve the mystery that no one else has solved for the past 15 years and, and, and dig him up. It's going to be great. That was a that was a reference to the last show. <laughs> Got it, man. Spoilers. I'm game. Apparently, I'm on my game already. This, this is going to be a great show. Satchel, it's so great to have you, though. Thank you again for making the time, dude. It's cool this to be here. Be I remember. I, I'm not even sure. Oh, yeah, there was so there was somebody who was um, a fan of your show, and I guess they were following it for a while, and then they tweeted at me saying, like, "Oh yeah, these dudes on this podcast I listened to mentioned you in a thing." And I couldn't find the podcast, but I just ended up by chance, like listening to the most recent stuff. And then I found my way. I eventually just got lost in the library and I was like, all right, cool, man. I'm totally <laughs> digging this content. Like, I love where these guys are going. Like, I thought it was really tight. Thanks. Woohoo! Yeah. How has your week been, gentlemen? What are you up to? Uh, I have big news. I had a little piece of popcorn husk stuck in my teeth since lunch, and it just came out, and I'm so happy. <laughs> it's funny it was... how 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 detrimental to life that can be when you have oh like a little thing stuck God. in your teeth all day, and nobody Dude. else knows it, but you know there's one thing on your mind for that entire day. I it's tried getting this fucking it thing out of your teeth. On its, own, on its own volition right now as we started podcasting. It, it must have been very sad at my bad jokes and had to get away from me as much as possible. So it <laughs> I mean, itself. honestly, it's probably pretty loud in there, being inside your mouth is probably pretty difficult oh oh, oh. oh and he's the loud one jokes 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 <laughs> somebody's got to make the jokes all right enough jokes gentlemen we have a guest let's see what he is up to so i i, I want to say like the middle of last year um we, we started working on this like new experience with ebay retail innovations which is like this small team in san fran that are focusing on the brick and mortar side of eBay, which for most people it doesn't really—it's not a thing, right? It doesn't really exist. Like, actually, Andy, Andy is in love with eBay, and I don't even know if he knows if that's a thing. Do you know about the brick and mortar version of eBay, Andy? I did not know that was a thing, and I do okay. love eBay. I can confirm both points. Okay, so that, if Andy doesn't great. know about it, then okay, that's cool. So yeah, uh, I, I started working with the team over there last year, and um, it's not. It's not an eBay store, like they don't sell like auction stuff like in a store, but instead they figure out ways to innovate the retail experience, right? And sort of marry the benefits of online shopping and brick and mortar shopping. 
And um, what we ended up doing was we we sort of had like a beta test with a real partner um, that probably no one here has heard of because we're not women called Rebecca Minkoff. She makes bags, apparently. Oh. I didn't hear oh, about I've her. Oh, I've heard until... of Rebecca no, Minkoff. I, I know that. My girlfriend has a Rebecca Minkoff bag. I know that is. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. All right, cool. You're, you're speaking I to am mistaken. gentlemen. I am mistaken. Satchel. Oh, no. I would never. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I... Um, so yeah, we, we we partnered with her, and she she wanted to open up. She she opened up her. Uh, she wanted to open up her first uh, store in Soho, like her first like little boutique store, or whatever. Um, you know, by like uh, like spring and Wooster and all that, where everything that's just completely out of my bracket is. And um, they were looking for an experience that could take all the benefits of online shopping, which is essentially. Um, the fact that you have uh, a bird's eye view of everything that's in the store um, and marry it to the benefits of actually being in the store, which is, you know, being able to try on, you know, all the clothes. Because probably one of the biggest drawbacks to shopping online is you're constantly returning things. It has to fit right. Like just looking at the measurements is good enough, especially, you know, if you have a very unique figure, which a lot of people tend to have. Um, so our solution was having these three... Uh, these three 1080p displays in portrait mode that are about six feet tall um, next to each other against the wall. And it's sort of like, it's just referred to as the connected wall. And like on it, when you walk into the store, it's just bam, attract mode content, runway content. When you go up to it, um, you can kind of uh, flip through like a, it's something like a lookbook, right? And in the lookbook, it'll show all the garments that are there and you can check out all the things that you like. When you do, you add it to what was once called a virtual rack I, I named it a virtual rack and then we developed virtual rack and then we took it away because the term virtual rack just didn't sound right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I and, can uh, picture some other things you can call. Yeah. Virtual yeah. Rack. I, don't, I can't imagine. I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I was, I guess I was too naive. Anyway, um, it, it was replaced with something else, but for all intents and purposes, it's a virtual rack and an assistant in, when you, when you send it, an assistant in the back will, uh, Grab all the clothes for you in the background, bring it to a fitting room where there's a separate interactive experience, and um, they give you a complimentary drink at like a juice bar or whatever, and they send you a text message while your clothes are ready. So it's sort of like you get to see everything that's in the store. You also get to feel everything that's in the store. You get to try everything on, on that's in the store, and everyone has a good time. So that ended up working out pretty all right, and now we're kind of expanding that same technology, that same experience to, to other stores right now. So... Um, my past couple of weeks have been figuring out how that can happen with it, you know, and it's been, it's been fun for the most part. I, I like the idea of um, working on things that don't exist yet. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a lot of like uncertainty, which is great. It just like, it, sh it shakes things up for me, which I kind of enjoy. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I could have sworn that you had linked to kind of like a conceptual video of all this like a few months ago because i remember seeing a lot of the stuff that you're talking about yeah that was that was actually launched so that was all real at that point oh nice yeah okay yeah people can go into the store and have that experience now if they wanted to okay that reminds me of the uh the bonobos stores the ones where you can go in and they have like one of every single thing they sell and you can try anything on but you can't buy it there like they don't sell anything physically because they don't want to run out of stock of anything so people come in to try it on they don't have it you just buy the things online, so it's just like a, a, way, like a store. way you can go and yeah, like experience yeah. the products, but you can't 
buy them there, which I think is very interesting and sounds like, like a good idea. Work for them? They they literally have like one pair of pants. I hadn't heard of that. I I I heard of Satchel's thing before, but they seriously have one pair of pants that everybody just tries on and leaves in the store. I don't know if it's exactly one pair of pants, but yeah, they they, they <laughs> don't sell them. They don't sell the product. At least this is how it started out. I'm not sure if it's changed, but the idea was they don't sell anything to you because they don't want to run out of stock of anything. They just have enough for people to try on and see all the different colors and fabrics and all the things you can't really tell perfectly online, which I think is brilliant. It is smart. I mean, there is going to be a point where, especially in places where in New York, where like in the future, you're a, you're a crazy person to store any sort of uh, like merchandise in such a, in a place with such crazy real estate prices. Yeah. Just Even let Amazon like, store it and then deliver it to you with a drone. Yeah. Like bring, yep. <laughs> put it in Kentucky <laughs> and then, and then ship it to you. Uh, even like uh, the New York Public Library uh, thought about doing this a while ago. I think they are doing it where they move all the books out of the stacks and then they use the real estate for like people because it's so valuable to have New York real estate. It's kind of crazy, even if they're amazing, beautiful books and objects and stuff like that. Like maybe it's a little bit crazy to use that space in the middle of the city and like one of the most valuable uh, properties that you could imagine and just stack books there. Put those in well, New Jersey and bring some people in. What? Hold on, I'm going to push back on that a little bit because the property is extremely valuable, right? But yeah. like, what is more valuable than like this amazing cultural icon that has all of our like recorded history in it? Like, yes, a Starbucks would make more money, but like the the value, the reason it's valuable is because there's great things like the New York Public Library there. If all of the cultural institutions packed up all their cool stuff and moved it away, then you just have this like husk of a of a cultural epicenter left. No, it's true. I mean, that's been the argument for a long You'd time. You'd have Manhattan. I, I actually don't know where it's where it's at. If they're if they're good and they're done and they're going to turn it into a Starbucks, that's kind of what it's kind of what the model is. Like, yeah, we need we want to get people in here, and it can kind of be like an internet cafe, and we'll just kind of ship the books in when you need them. That makes me sad. I recognize why it's happening, but I'm sad about it. I understand. It, that's one of those things where it's yes, it's sad, but like when when were you going to go into the library and pick up a book? Uh, I've done I've done that before at the New York Public Library specifically. Oh man, but there is some there. I mean, there is something about driving the dagger into history a little bit. Like the one thing that I mm-hmm. really loved about I, I want to say it, it was like uh, it was definitely last year, last year or the year before. In the past, I I, I visited uh, London and Paris, and the the one thing that I really enjoyed about. Um, like being in the city, especially during the weekdays and kind of seeing people during their commute. And of course, like I'd attribute some of my thoughts to like romanticism and it's definitely a grass is greener kind of perspective. But um, I really enjoyed kind of seeing all these old antiquated buildings like that survived over time that people were still going into do going into to do everyday business. And it, it made me think a lot about like Midtown Manhattan and like the financial district and just kind of be like, oh, man, I re- I kind of regret the fact that I mean, not regret. I didn't do it, but I, I, it kind of <laughs> sucks. In charge? Right, right, yeah. But it it, it kind of sucks that we don't really have that piece of history. I mean, even Penn Station. When you look at photos of like the old Penn Station, it's so beautiful. It's so much more majestic than this like tumor we have on Madison Square Garden, like covered in LCD screens. And I really enjoyed like kind of like looking at that and be like, man, I feel like man, if I was like in the thick of this, at least once in a while, I might stop and kind of think about the beauty of being a part of a legacy. Again, maybe not. You know what I mean? Like maybe I maybe if I were in London, I would just pine for something really modern like like New York. Like, all right, I get it. Get to the point. Like it, it would be great to have like these huge buildings instead of like this, you know, but I erred on the side of really liking having that history, even if it was just purely a cosmetic thing. I don't know. I guess in some ways it seems like it stands for something. 
I don't think it's a cosmetic thing. I think modern architecture is a blight, and current Penn Station is one of the worst places on the whole planet you could possibly find yourself. <laughs> Isn't there a whole episode of Broad City about how they break up because Penn Station is so bad? I mean, Penn I Station have no is idea, bad. but that sounds like totally like a viable reason. That's the worst. It is the worst place. It is so bad. It is pretty bad. That's it. If I have to go visit you in Baltimore, I have to go through Penn Station. You should be like, oh, I thank know. you so much. I know. I've had. I've done it. I've done through. it many a time, Matt. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've been running to catch a train at Penn Station after a long meeting and been like, I got here 10 minutes before the train leaves. That's plenty of time. And then, oh, wait, Penn Station is the size of like a whole city. And I could run full (laughs) speed for 10 minutes and still not reach the destination in time. Mm. Yeah, I think the thing is like modern architecture, like modern everything else is not optimized for people. It's optimized for other stupid bullshit, mostly money. (laughs) Back when they were building all those beautiful buildings in Europe, they weren't thinking about that shit. They were just making some beautiful stuff that was going to last forever because they were cool. Oh, they had their own motivations. Like, yeah, motivations were just to be cool and great. <laughs> actually, I, I, I could agree with that. It's like the difference between seeing like a super modern chair in a magazine and actually sitting in it. Like when you look at it, it's like, Ugh. wow, man, that's so pleasing. <laughs> look at the way it complements like all the other like shapes in the room or whatever. This it's a chair perfect square. is made entirely of steel. Yeah, and just then you sit cold, in it, it's hard for a steel, hours nothing but right angles. <laughs> Yes, that's exactly it. It is the cleanest, most pristine chair. I look at other chairs and I think this is just excess. Why these lines? Why these extra shapes? Oh my gosh. This chair is plenty enough. You sound like just about anyone from Helvetica. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, did Andy go away? I think he's just playing objectified in the background. I don't know where he went. Andy, come back. Uh, Hi, get out of (laughs) here. Random Dutch person, just get out of here. Go away. (laughs) Swiss man. Um. Yeah, I don't know, man. Modernity—it's weird because we mentioned this in the show at some point. But I like when I was studying graphic design and I was like, you know, wide-eyed and didn't know anything and kind of like soaking everything in for a while. I was like, yeah, modern's the thing, totally. That's what everyone should be: modern, modern, modern. And then slowly, I kind of realized, wait a minute. I think, I think modern everything is basically bad, except for modern medicine and modern dentistry, like everything else. <laughs> Like That's everything great. else, pretty much can shove off and suck a lemon because it's all just not—it's—it's it's not about humanity. Like we basically got over humanity, and we're like, oh, let's just make it about something else instead. Hmm. It's making it about—it's making it about our attempts to be perfect in weird yeah. ways that we should never even bother trying to be perfect, and instead we should just embrace how we actually are. But yeah, I totally had a similar season where I was super into like things being modern. I was super into everything meeting at like a ninety-degree angle and having like really hard services, and then. Over time, I don't I don't know what it was. I think it was essentially I tried to have my room emulate that. And I realized that I actually really like when a space can look like and feel like it's lived in in a kind of way. Like mm. and and that ideology coincided with like even like things as simple as like my wallet. Like wanting a wallet that always looks like it's fresh and crisp all the time to actually to like kind of wanting a wallet that like is made out of a leather that like has wear on it. You know what I mean? That kind of like has character, has a story. Like, I, I don't know. I think over, I think over time, this might be completely boring or not, but since we're here, no, we're I here. Think people no, are gonna that's um, just <laughs> right? Yeah. Since we're I here, think people are fucking digging this, eating it up. This is good. Um, it, it, it went from essentially like getting a new, like, you know, piece of, I don't know, consumer electronics. Right. And whether it's like a phone and, and wanting it to be perfect, right? And like having like a scratch or whatever, like bug the hell out of me to 
getting a MacBook in the first day, there's a ding and being like, eh, there's character in it, whatever. Like just not really yeah. caring because there's something about there's something about our humanity showing on the things that we own and the things around us that actually speaks to something more intimate than trying to create this alternate world that's essentially for cyborgs. Well, you can empathize with it, right? Like that's the whole thing. I found a beautiful example of this recently. MoMA started putting up um, these videos of the their their curators process like i mean a, a really great one was like watching them put together that matisse exhibit they did recently where they're kind of like you know they have to put together all those old cutouts again and it showed the kind of very detailed work that went into that but one that was really funny to watch was there was there was a um a couple of of people on the uh, conservation team going through this old like uh like Cabousier room or ha- like you know that was part of uh uh you know an apartment complex and they had tried to reassemble this room that he had designed as closely as possible, but they were having this problem because they couldn't they couldn't find an original version of uh, one that people had lived in because, according to his plans, it was supposed to be you know here's the color paint that it's supposed to be and here's exactly the way it's supposed to be laid out and the the curators were talking about it and it's like, but but no one listened to the plan they just like they just went and painted it themselves and they rearranged the furniture and we don't have any record of them just like living in the Corbusier house like they were supposed to during our research at the Corbusier Foundation we found a lot of specs for how these kitchens were supposed to be painted and Corbusier was very specific not only about which colors could be used where but how the paint was actually supposed to be applied but when we actually went to Marseille, there was a lot of variation from kitchen to kitchen. Even when the building was originally opened, people didn't stick to those directions as specifically as we thought they were going to. So we couldn't look at one kitchen in the building and be sure that that's the way our kitchen was painted. Like Stupid people not following their <laughs> yeah, instructions the explicitly given to them by us, the best <laughs> wow. of all people that know what's best for them. It's like, God. <laughs> Jeez. And it was just, it was funny because I don't think they were having that realization. They were just kind of like, yeah, we have this problem. We can't find the right green paint because people just painted their houses like animals. We'll just keep chasing <laughs> perfection. These people didn't appreciate design. They didn't appreciate design. They, oh. they just kept living their lives like assholes. Man. So, <laughs> now I'm I mean, honestly, but, yeah, lesson learned. Like, yeah, you get to watch that video and be like, huh, seems like a mistake. Oh, okay. We can. Seems we can like do maybe better. nobody liked that. <laughs> we can do better. <laughs> anyway, modernity's bad. <laughs> we should all. It's just. Uh, I've I actually um I re- I've been reading. I right, finished. It's very short. I read this essay that was recommended to me by Ben Kowalski, listener of the show. Mm-hmm. Hat tip to Ben. Um, called "In Praise of Shadows," and it's this essay from like the 1930s by this Japanese novelist, and he's basically talking about the differences between. Uh, Eastern uh, aesthetic values and Western aesthetic values. Oh, great. And um, he talks about it across all different kinds of things from, uh, you know, light and shadows to uh, dinnerware to toilets to women, all, all, all kinds of different, like, things he touches on. But um, his, like, thesis basically was that um, people in the East were more content to try and find happiness given whatever their surroundings were and people in the West were driven to constantly improve things and make them better and better and better. Uh, and I think that resonates with me a little bit. And what makes sense to me there, too, is that I think our metric collectively for what better is is always changing and evolving. So if we're constantly chasing this better, this like thing in the distance, what we're actually doing is like weaving back and forth through history 
uh, kind of maybe making some forward progress, but mostly just vacillating across this center line because we're constantly chasing this moving target that we can't find. There are so many conversations that kind of stem from that idea. I mean, even things like the perception of success, you know what I mean? And like, I guess, I guess try, like committing, committing your life to reaching the top of uh, a flight of stairs, but in the process enslaving yourself to just constantly climbing and not necessarily finding resolve, I guess. Well, it's something that kind of struck me because I... I know Mac will also resonate with this specifically. Like my goal is definitely to make things better, like to move through this world and improve every aspect of my life that I can. Um, and so the, the idea that that would be a fruitless pursuit that would like lead me astray uh, is, is a powerful one. For me. Right. But it's, I mean, I go through that, just that experience of kind of like feeling like you're constantly climbing and obviously the, Using that metaphor for life, it it doesn't end until it ends, and then you're not aware of what happened before. Sweet, but like, sweet death. But I do that constantly with you know miniature obsessions where I feel like I need to get I I feel like I have like a you know one every week or so on the show. Where like guys, I, I watch this whole thing or I went through this whole thing. I learned everything about it and I'm done. Where guys, during, I like, ate every kind of gummy bear. I bought every kind. And I ate them all. <laughs> I watched all of the jigs. I read all of Nimona in one so, night. Yeah, sometimes where, that's what it is. <laughs> like, you'd think I'd be enjoying it while I'm doing it. Like, I don't actually know if I'm enjoying it. Like, I really just want to get to the end of it so I can have that experience. And then when I'm done, I look back and be like, oh, that was great. Was I enjoying one second of it? But now it's done. I just burned right through it. Maybe I should have, like, slowed down, thought about it, enjoyed what I was doing while I was doing it instead of just, like, running around trying to gather the most knowledge. I feel like that's kind of like I worry that that's what I'm doing sometimes in my working life where I'm like, oh, I just got to keep doing it, making it better, keep doing it, making it better. And I'm like, what? Right. That's what I want to do. And it, I have the idea that it's going to make me I'm going to be really happy when the thing is better. But I don't think I'm not sure if that ever happens or if it does happen. Like, am I going to look back at it and say, hmm, I didn't I didn't enjoy that process at all. But I have this crazy goal for some reason. Why is that a goal? I could definitely resonate with that. I've definitely had seasons where, like, I've gotten so, like, just taken away by productivity porn. Like, I remember being such a, like, a, I don't know, maybe, like, four years ago being such a life hacker, super into reading Life Hacker and Gizmodo and finding the best way to do all these different things, different gear that I need, and signing up for the beta of just about every service that any, like, punk <laughs> from San Francisco could dream up. You know what I mean? And yeah, I had yeah. all these different ways of forwarding my text to my inbox and then having my Gmail like partitions and these three different things so that my social network emails come into this box over here and my text messages come into this box over here and have the ease of like responding from any one of my devices. And I, I would just I, I would just keep getting sucked into that. And even nowadays, like if a new to do app comes out, I think hmm, like is that. Oh, man, is OmniFocus, I think OmniFocus, guys, I think that's going to be the one that's totally going to like, this is going to be the silver bullet of productivity for me. And if I could just set everything up and get it in the way that I want to, you know, I'm done. And it's never really the case. I think in some ways, like, and I think in some ways, like subconsciously, I already know. And there's something about the chase that is relieving or that or that's giving me this this level of satisfaction similar to actually just getting work done and i realize that when i'm in the moment like when you actually like like I, it's it's exciting finding ways to compartmentalize my tasks to get them done but actually doing the tasks is still as grieving as it was when i was like 16 and it was just things that you have to get done you know what i mean and 
I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if that that if it's just like a form of escapism or oh, for sure. You know, no, I think a lot of that stuff just feels like progress, which is why people like it so much. It's like, well, look at all the fucking tags I have. Certainly, I'm right. going places in life. <laughs> <laughs> How many tags do you have in your inbox, sir? I pictured Merlin Man sitting on your shoulder like a little angel, like telling you what to do, like your conscience. <laughs> J- Jiminy Cricket, Merlin Man. gentlemen we have a sponsor this week uh this week the episode is sponsored by lynda.com before we recommend a course for you i'm going to tell you a little bit about it it's an online learning platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business technology and creative skills for a free 10-day trial you can visit lynda.com that's l-y-n-d-a.com slash o-t-g i want you to check out that site get your trial there's all sorts of stuff for you to do they always give me a list of stuff. I love the range of things. They say you can master Excel, you can build a website, boost Photoshop skills, or learn negotiation tactics. There's even also a bunch of documentaries. If you just want to go there and watch like cool documentaries about Marion Banshees, for example, or the whole Objectified set. Well, I mean, I think the biggest problem you're going to have once you sign up for that free trial at is the problem of what do you learn, right? You got 3,000 videos. You got a lot of content there. You know, which ways are you going to better yourself? Um, so I want to recommend a specific course, uh, which is Drawing SVG Graphics with D3. Uh, there's a particular uh, person that's uploaded a couple D3-specific uh, things onto Linda. And D3, I think a lot of people think it's just for uh, visualizing data. It's just for like a, you know making graphs and charts. Um, but in reality, D3 is this really interesting way just to tie any data to any visual thing, which may not be a graph or a chart at all. Uh, and I think it's a very useful thing to know. So drawing SBG graphics with a D3 on lynda.com. And of course, I'm going to tell you a couple other things you're going to get with your Linda membership. You can watch and learn from top experts who are passionate about what they're teaching. You can stream thousands of videos from courses on demand and learn on your own schedule. Learn at your own pace. Courses are structured so you can watch them from start to finish or consume them in bite-sized pieces. You can browse each course transcript to follow along or search for an answer and skip to that point. You can take notes as you go and refer to them later. You can download tutorials and watch them on the go, including on your iOS or Android device. And you can create and save playlists and courses you want to watch to customize your learning path or share with friends, colleagues, and team members. Listen, you are going to waste time on the internet. I know you, listener. You're listening to this podcast, you're an internet time waster. If you're going to be spending that time on the internet just staring at that glowing rectangle, you might as well be bettering yourself. So your Linda.com membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics, all for one flat rate. Whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or you just want to learn something new, I want you to visit Linda.com slash OTG and sign up for your free 10-day trial. just that idea of contentment there was this so there was this one day where i was two things happened like right next to each other that wrecked me like two days ago so i was so i'm selling my my pc gaming rig right and um i finally found someone who was interested in buying it it was incredibly it, 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 it is incredibly difficult to sell a pc let me tell you let alone a gaming pc because it's like bloated with like all this muscle stuff in it and no one cares <laughs> you know what i mean like nobody really cares unless they're doing some serious editing or some serious gaming and i happen to run into someone who's doing two uh both of them rather he he study he's studying at nyu stern um to be a film editor 
And, you know, he, he came over, I, I, I ended up, so at, at first I was just, I just kind of sent out, Hey, I'm selling a PC. No one cared. Then I was like, okay, you're making me do the manipulative marketing thing. Then I just made a website, like a .com dedicated to the PC and like designed all this stuff, like showing what it can do. And then I got a bunch of replies and this one kid, um, he was super interested. He was from New York. He just Ubered his way over. And, um, you know, we were just in my room talking about it and he was kind of sharing that, like, you know, he's a, he's an aspiring filmmaker. And um, that, you know, the film that he'd been working on for a senior thesis is essentially about his father who passed away when he was a teenager. And, uh, you know, we were kind of talking about it. I was like, oh, dude, like, I'm really sorry to hear that. I'd love to see what it's about. I'd love to see, like, what's kind of been on your heart with that. So he sent a Vimeo link to me uh, a day later, and I was watching it because I was staying late at work. And I was, I was I carpooled with someone. I was just staying late. And I had an hour, so I was watching it. And, um, I just remember like, I was, I got like 20 minutes deep into it and it, it, it was kind of hitting like the, like the beginning of act two where like the plot is kind of settling and everyone's sort of like reflects documentary style. So everyone's, um, reflecting on how the loss of his father impacted them. And what, uh, I, I realized I kept getting distracted because right now, so I've been in the thick of like editing and working on video stuff, whether it's freelance or at work or just for fun or with YouTube. And I kept doing these really annoying DP things. Like, it's sort of the equivalent of, like, as a designer, like, if you go into a, a, a restaurant, you can't help but either, like, cringe or get excited by a good or bad menu. In that mm-hmm. same regard, like, I was, like, so focused on, like, the aesthetics of his shots. And, like, I kept taking the role of a DP and be like, oh, man, like, I would have done this. Not that what he was doing was bad at all or that it was distracting, but I kept thinking about that. And I was like oh man, I really don't like the way that this is like infiltrating my capacity to just pay attention to the content because he's sharing something really personal with me. And I got home that day. I I, I got home. I, so I, I watched it and I had that hang up and I was like anxious on the way home. And then I got home and I was just looking, I was, I was screwing around on Twitter and I ran into someone's uh, Twitter profile. They were a designer and I was looking through their portfolio and like, I was just like looking through, I was like flipping through their stuff and I was like, for some reason, I was like hypothetically asking myself, like, would I hire or would I recommend for hire? You know, and I realized <laughs> I, can't, I can't see a portfolio without a little bit thinking that. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, and I, and I was like, where does that come from? Like, I don't even know where that came from. And I, I found myself just to myself being super hypercritical of of his work and where he's coming from, and I was like, ah, uh, nice try. And for for myself, I'm actually kind of ashamed of myself that I that that I took I don't know that I took such a like strong disposition just out of pure imagination and um i started saying that and i was like dude what is your deal like there has to be uh, there was something about so i think i think socially there is like to so the way that this sort of like dovetails with your your conversation on striving to be better and better like this week i've kind of been thinking about like how i'm always thinking about striving to be better and better. And like, you know, I was, I was watching the walking dead and they were, they were interviewing one of the actors who was talking about, you know, like now this, you thought last season was great, but next season we're going to take it to the next level. And I kept thinking like, this is the motto of the culture that I'm in where we're constantly taking it to the next level and to the next level and to the next level. And our character may not necessarily be take being taken to the next level in tandem with it, but we are so down for selling this, like, I don't know this this perpetual escalation that I'm not even sure we're capable of like meeting but we keep selling it and for myself I felt like that cycle was playing into 
how harshly I was judging this person's work that I didn't even know and not even considering, well, you know what? Maybe I should be taking my leadership to the next level. And if someone isn't strong enough, I should make it my responsibility to lead them and to teach them. You know what I mean? And I don't know. I, I guess I got so sucked into it. I forgot about that in some kind of way. And it, it like frustrated me. I don't know if you guys ever felt that way. If you guys ever yeah. thought about how. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Well, just the, the relate, I can relate to just the losing your ability to enjoy something because you are just too. Yes. Just deep. You're just deep, deep, deep in the weeds and you're, you're picking apart the little details and feeling even just the smallest part of you or a big part, the part the part of you that just by picking it apart makes you feel better about yourself where you, you see it, you know, there you like, you get a, a feeling of superiority. If you can, if you can find what's wrong with it and point out, even point it out to other people. And then you're, you're the cool guy who knows about it. Right. Um, yeah. I find that happening a lot and I don't know. I don't know how to get over it because it's, it feels like a thing that's ingrained in me now. Um, and it's part, cause it's part of what I do every day. Like that's in so many ways, that's what hopefully makes me, all right at my job and all right at the things that I like doing, but it also means I can't just sit down and like have a nice thing. And that, that lack of contentment is so weird. I, I fear that I create a new standard and then I normalize it. Oh man, I hate that fear of normalizing a higher standard because you can't turn a pickle back into a cucumber and you lose something well, why every would you time. want to? Pickles are delicious and cucumbers <laughs> are overrated. <laughs> <laughs> Now, you can turn a pickle into more of a pickle. Uh, that's the thing that you might not know. You can super pickle some things. You just, <laughs> yeah, that doing that process true. over and over again. Yeah. Some kimchi, basically, at the end of the day. Um, very no, I mean, true. constant, you know constant what I mean, evaluation. Though, right? yeah. What? You know what I mean, though, right? Like, oh, yeah. No, I do. Yeah. I do. Um, and I think that that is like a, a trade-off, right? I, I, part, of, part of what makes it so complicated to talk about is like all these terms are loaded, like to say that you know, we want to improve and get better is already imposing a value set on whatever it is you're talking about. Like, like, what do you mean when you say like improve and get better? And it sounds like what you're describing is what most people would expect, which is get better in terms right. of like the rest of the industry, what other people think, uh, which may or may not be actually valuable, right? Like maybe you just want to get better at something for your own edification, for your own value set that might not match up with whatever everyone else is kind of ascribing to you. Uh, and that, you know, wouldn't be better in our society, right? That would be, there'd be a different word for that. Right. Um, I, I guess to clarify, it would be, even then it's kind of loaded, but like m m more polished and glossy expectations of things. So the example that came to mind for me was like food. Like I have some friends who their salary jacked up like crazy right in the beginning of their careers. And like for them, they've normalized $80 steaks. You know what I mean? So in their head, like their caliber for what is like, a satisfactory meal is normalized at this thing that makes it really awkward for us to choose places that we want to eat in the same way that we did when we were in high school. And I always wonder, yeah, I always wonder if there's kind of like an equivalent to that in our, in our creative work that can stunt our ability to see the personal things. Cause at the end of the day, like, well, hmm. not at the end of the day, that's a very dismissive like phrase to say, but I, I think in some regards, even as even as formulaic as our work can be, and even even the fact that a big part of the spine of design is um, in some ways that in a lot of ways it's following or it's building upon something that already exists, um, we're still always looking for an eternal spark in the things that we do, and there's still always this element 
of um, personhood in it and making something that's personal and making something that's intimate to the human condition sometimes, not all the time, but the powerful things that we draw to, even like the very like design scene things, especially that we're drawn to are things that have that. And I almost wonder if sometimes when we're constantly raising the bar and we're adding more, um, you know, JJ Abrams lens flares to the things that we're doing, um, we lose sight of like the simple film grain that, that was, that was exciting and we didn't plan it. I don't know. Maybe that I'm getting, no, I think, getting too nebulous. I think there is, no, 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 not at all. I think there's a way. One of the, the first things I can think of that like there actually is a stunting that happens is when you – it's not about like your competition with other designers or something. But when you're just working with some – like hopefully what you're doing as a designer is you're working with people who don't have the same skill as you to kind of like improve their thing. Do something for them. Do um, – you know, if you're doing client work, that's what you're doing, right? So I think one thing is that it can make you very dismissive of somebody who doesn't know as much about the thing as you do. Right. And like kind of be an asshole or like just treat them as an idiot because they didn't also go to design school or they don't spend nearly as much time with it. And like I think it's uh, it hurts your communication skills. because. And, and by like, the way, I think any time that you're in that situation and you find yourself being dismissive, it's probably out of insecurity. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. it's right. not because yeah. it's not because I, right. you really are so great. It's because you want to prove that you're really, really great, and you need to show them by being like and you show yourself. Yeah. Because oftentimes you find yourself sitting in a room with somebody that's doing something that's actually amazing and interesting, and you're like, "Well, I pick c- colors, and <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I'm going to criticize yeah. the rag on that, <laughs> that paragraph on your website for your nonprofit." So. <laughs> I think it always comes to that place. <laughs> but the other thing I think it can do is that, like, what I mean, it's a little bit to Andy's point of, like, it's a little bit, like, your value set is a little bit arbitrary when we're talking about getting better. Um, but because it is, like, we're, because we're assuming it's kind of like things getting better, you're not necessarily going back to, like, evaluate the things that you've decided. Like, you're not evaluating the level that you've reached. Like, maybe you're like, okay, I have the skill now. I'm good. And then you just do that thing over and over again and work on the next thing. And you're not evaluating the things you're already, you already think that you're good at. And you end up just doing, maybe that's where boring work comes from. You just keep doing the thing that keeps working over and over again. And then again. you win a Young Guns Award. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Shots fired. Shots fired. <laughs> Can we talk about how shitty that person is again? Like I, oh, that person is the worst person. Wait, Wait who's that person? Wait, Do you mean happened? any any person who's ever won a Young Guns Award or a specific no, person? No, 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 no. I mean that that person that you're describing that will you know take that uh, that elite road in that meeting and be like, well, you simply don't understand my craft, and I'm, I'm here for a reason. I'm a professional. Blah blah blah. That person is the worst. If you are talking about the thing that you proclaim to love with somebody else, and your approach is. You could never possibly understand this. I am greater than you and smarter than you. You don't love that thing. You just love being a dick. You should like chill out with that. You should want to explain things and want to share the things that you understand with people and explain it in humane ways. I really believe that nothing is so complicated that it cannot be explained, at least to a cursory degree, in a humane, understandable way. Well, yeah, of course. I mean... People learn things, right? Like, how is anybody ever going to learn anything if there's really something that is so complex that no other human being could learn it? Maybe, maybe Stephen Hawking gets to tell us that story, but I don't think I don't think there are a whole lot of people in the world that are allowed to tell us that story. There was an episode of Judge John Hodgman a while ago, which is another great podcast, very different from ours, but very good. And in it, uh, the judge talks about his distinction between a nerd and a hipster. Um, or a geek and a hipster. Oh my gosh, I listened to that was. one. It was great. Well, it's so <laughs> fucking smart. His, his distinction basically was that 
Uh, if you are a nerd, you love something that most people don't, and you want to share it. Your main goal in life is to share that thing with anybody to find more people that might like it, and that sharing constantly gets you burned because you go to school with your Dungeons & Dragons book and you get beat up. And if you're a hipster, you find a thing that no one else loves, and your ultimate goal in life is to ne- nobody else love it so you can be the only person that understands <laughs> it and can feel elite and more powerful than somebody else because you have some unique understanding of something. And that attitude is the attitude that pervades so much of that design bullshit that like we should just be nerds and embrace the fact that we love this thing and share it with people instead of being fucking dicks about it. Now I'm going to feel incredibly insulted if anyone ever calls me a hipster. I'm going to have to explain to them. So you guys are... I'm going <laughs> to... You'd be like, no, let me explain to you why my artisanal beard oil is great. I want to share it with you. <laughs> I don't want to hold it against you. I have a feeling you might actually be using artisanal beard oil. I don't I don't pull that shit. Wait, do people want to, you guys want to play some bets and, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll do a reveal? Wait, so okay, wait, I'm going to bet Andy is using artisanal beard oil, Satchel. Um, sure. Should yes. I turn on my video to show you the beard again? Would that be helpful? <laughs> it was well silked. I, I, I'm going to vote for Oh, there we go. Dan, Dan. Against. Andy, reveal. Dan is correct. I've never put any oil in my beard except for the oil that naturally comes oh out of my goodness. own skin. And I'm offended because I'm the one who uses the artisanal guys, beard oil. Guys, guys, look at the browser. Boom. Oh, I have right. the same stuff. <laughs> oh, no. I have the... Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to be right fucking back. Uh, is, is Dan left his microphone to go get his matching beard oil. That's what this podcast has become. We can we can say hi to well, uh what was Satchel, do you want to share that with everyone right. or do you want to hide right. it for yourself? Okay, so no okay, okay. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay. Whoa, wait, I wait, use... hold on, hold on. There it yep. is. Uh-huh. Wait, exactly. right. wait, the camera Thanks. flickered All on right. and off. You guys are real cool. You guys uh-huh. are great. <laughs> it smells like nature and it's amazing. Yes. So uh, it is okay for people who can't see and listening. It is Burroughs Beard Oil, a one ounce mini flask. The usage says to splash liberally into palm, gently massage into skin and beard. Now, the way you do it is you, you, you dab it about the size of a nickel in the palm of your hand. And then you take your three fingers and you sort of like just kind of push it up. And like you comb it from the bottom through your beard and then you take the rest and you just kind of like brush it down and that gives it a nice even okay we're done <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. thanks to old-fashioned mcbeardo's beard oil for sponsoring this week's episode of on the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but what i really appreciated was that he he was he was one, like one of the first few people to actually have a proper definition of like what a hipster is i guess like i, I don't know i guess like Normally in everyday life, like people use the word hipster and it's just a euphemism for a guy that I don't know and don't like. Um, but it was nice to actually hear a formal definition of what. Yeah, I wasn't even aware of the term until I got to college. But then it was just like, oh, I, I know what that is. It's that guy right, right. there. We like <laughs> uh, we it, say, uh, yeah, he said hipster. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, but it, it is a really important distinction. And it's like to me, I think it's important because I strive so much to be the former about everything that I love. Uh, and. I don't know. I think that's important. It's important for me, at least. That, that's part of my value set. Definitely. To try and share the things that I love with people. That's, it's, a core, it's a core feature of this show and the newsletter we run for this show. Pretty much. Definitely. We should just call it the, the anti-hipster newsletter. <laughs> the uh, hipster repellent. What happened? We got derailed. Beard oil. Did we? Or is this exactly what was supposed to happen? What are your podcast values? <laughs> you just, think people should just talk the entire time during the podcast? <laughs>
<laughs> no, but I, yeah, I, I had a, um, I'm totally for people who like are into different things, but are also into like teaching other people about different things. I had a, like for myself, you know, I'm, I'm from, I'm from Trinidad. We don't have football. Like I grew up watching cricket and like football was just one of those things. Unfortunately, I didn't get into until college where like when I was in college, I was playing a whole bunch of video games and I had a friend who wasn't really playing that many video games, but he was watched a lot of football and like, here I'm kind of setting up like the situation where there are two people who are like opposed to each other because oh you're a jock and you're a nerd or whatever, which wasn't the case at all. Actually, we were both enthusiastic about the things that we loved to the point where we were interested in sharing it with each other. And he was like, "Oh man, I'm really stoked for that game on Sunday. Why don't you come over and I'll show you what it how it's played? You know what I mean? I'll show and, you like, how to football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you can show me Azeroth." <laughs> <Everybody>. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And we did that, and it was totally cool. And even though I eventually kind of peter off of football and stuff, like, I appreciate that when I watch it during the Super Bowl or whatever, like, I know what happened. And it was, like, a special time where I was kind of into it. Um, I do very seriously try to do that. There was a, there was a part of me, like, I, I'm a huge football fan, and uh, probably spend too much time with it, like, between that and Madden and fantasy football and stuff like that. And I do very seriously try to make an effort, because I feel like everyone around me is just like, uh, football is for idiots, and they just bash into each other and you're stupid and so i try to really make an effort to like one explain the things that i enjoy about it and then like if anyone is ever willing to sit down and watch a game with me i will if they want to learn i will tell them every play everything is happening all the strategy um this i will is make the part where the guys smash into each other it's my favorite part <laughs> <laughs> boom andy we're gonna sit down the problem with andy is andy's andy's over it i don't have to explain anything new to andy andy did it and now he's he's out again or something I don't think I'm telling you anything new. You're just gonna be like, "No, oh, I know. I just don't like it." Yeah, when I but, went to college, I just didn't have a TV, but I can sit mm-hmm. down and talk about some some defense structures with you. Favorite strong safeties. But there was a period, there was definitely a period of time where I liked it, and I didn't want to tell anybody because it didn't really fit the image of what an art school student is supposed to like. And oh yeah. So, what? <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. There's definitely a period of time where I was like, jocks and nerds are opposed, so I'm not supposed to do jock stuff. Or like jocks and art kids are opposed or something and like kind of pushed that down and didn't really embrace Aww. like any sort of enthusiasm about it. And then Aww. at a certain point kind of got used to like, yeah, okay, that doesn't really fit that mold, but that doesn't really matter. I really thoroughly enjoy it. So I'm just going to go ahead and enjoy it. And if somebody else is willing to enjoy it with me, I'm happy to explain every little detail about it to an annoying degree. <laughs> explaining is, is a big thing. I do a lot of explaining. <laughs> I'm very conscious of that. But I like to explain the things that I like a lot. So I'm interested in hearing your guys' opinion on this situation. Uh, I sent you guys two videos uh, during the week. It's about so it's 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 one it's one of those things where it's it's a like air quote progressive topic but like wrapped in something that people are very passionate about um to give a bit of a synopsis so twitch so i play video games right and part of my channel is about um talking about game design at the crossroads of art and culture right and um there's this streaming service called twitch now, there's always been like an online streaming service called Justin TV, and they used to own Twitch. And unfortunately, Justin TV got shut down in the way of Twitch. But Twitch is sort of like blown up as like this means of people sharing the things that they do, but not just anything like Justin TV, 
Um, instead, it's focused on gameplay. It's focused on video games. So it's a place where if you have a decent setup, um, you can play a game and stream your entire screen or a section of your stream um, alongside maybe a webcam and your audio and essentially do a live broadcast of what's called the Let's Play, which is just like someone talking, whether it's comedy or like walkthroughs. Um, of a game as they're playing it and um, it's sort of like blown up over time especially um, through the rise of esports which has been super popular there's a whole bunch of big numbers that i don't know or remember um, but this past year it's been really interesting kind of seeing twitch take off with that um, it's been able to make things like cnn and bbc and um, that's sort of just been like an exciting like separate sector of uh, the scene i guess um, but with the popularity of twitch um I guess you've been getting what people have been referring to as like bloatware with any kind of platform that's just open for anybody. Um, you have, I guess you sort of have a gradient of entertainment, which is, which in many cases is a good thing. And in that there have been a select group of uh, female streamers who stream playing their games and they've, they've, they've sort of been under a lot of scrutiny by um, you know, gaming personalities on the internet and like and, and dudes and just dudes and like, shocking, uh, shocking. A bunch of women are under a bunch of careful scrutiny by a whole bunch of dudes. Whoa, what, right? Uh, why did that happen? <laughs> right, what? Yeah. That sounds totally anomalous. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, for streaming with allegedly streaming with like suggestive cl- suggestive clothing or um not that much clothing or um situations where they make their webcam like 80% of the screen and the gameplay like 20% of the screen so essentially making it seem like it's a bit of a show like a peep show right that at least that's the accusation um so 2 weeks ago or 1 week ago yeah 2 weeks ago um there's this big game personality who put out this video Comic. It was sort of like infotainment, like five minute long video, um, slamming these women, and he made four points that I'm gonna. And Matt can put in the audio for the video here because he's an editing wizard. All right, I'll drop a couple clips in. Some of these bitches got pussy cam, tit cam, upper left eyebrow cam, and then the gameplay. Listen up. I want to start by saying you're making this really hard for women. You put on these PG-13 cam shows, you're only benefiting yourself at the cost of condemning your own gender. It's really hard to see the damage that you're doing, but let me try to explain. You show your tits, you show your ass, you show your whatever women have to show, and you get people coming in for your show. Now, no guy goes in there and types nice things. You only see a bunch of mean things. Why? Because all the nice guys are busy. People call you hella names, but that's okay. That's the reaction that you're supposed to elicit. So do you, boo-boo. But what about the female streamers that aren't about that life? No super critical judgments to either side, but if another female is streaming, playing in non-provocative attire with her attention on the game, she will be subject to the same torment that you get when you just flaunt your body. And that's because right now, the female streamers that are getting the most attention are the ones that take advantage of the horny nerds that give them attention. So you are creating a standard for the female streamers that want to continue. So when someone else sees another female streamer that's not doing what you do, they're gonna react violently. 
Because people don't like change. It's the female streamer that continuously try to cater to the men by changing their voices, exposing their breasts, ass, whatever it is that makes it a lot harder for other people. You're inadvertently perpetuating an image of women that not everybody can achieve. And now people are expecting that of the girls. And what's worse is the women that can't achieve it, they don't get ignored, they get hated. They get made fun of, they get called names, they get all this dumb shit happening to them. And it makes those girls not even want to stream at all. And that sucks. That really sucks. Now I know this may not be a very liked video because some of you guys are probably looking at me and saying, but Sky, tits. I'm not trying to stop it, man. That's not my intention. And I have to throw some shade at the horny niggas that feed you. I mean, shit, there's a lot of sites you can go on to fulfill that need. Because I don't know about you, but when I'm done watching porn, I don't give a fuck about who's on that screen. I have never busted a nut and been like, what are his goals? His dreams. I'm fighting for the chick that thinks that she doesn't have a fappable body. I'm fighting for the women without the voice to say anything different. So women, listen, I challenge you to put that pussy away, put them tits away, and speak in your real voice. Bjergsen doesn't post a shirtless selfie with a big old dick bulge to get viewers. We take him seriously because of his gameplay. If you want us to take you seriously, do the same. Show the same level of respect for your viewers that you should have for yourself. And I know what you're thinking. It's my body, I do what I want. But just know that by doing that, you're playing into the hypersexualized standards that makes it hard to be a woman in the first place. The, so essentially the summary of his argument is that, uh, some women are essentially utilizing a streaming service centered around gameplay for a show that is not, and that the focus at hand for this discussion is instead on her body. Um, secondly, that some women who stream in revealing outfits are condemning their own gender by stealing views away from women who make gameplay the focus and may not be as attractive or savvy to a similar style of self-promotion. Um, the third point is that uh, some women encourage barbaric behavior from men, such as calling them a slut or a whore or paying them to do something suggestive or romantic, such as paying $5 for a boyfriend application. Um, and the danger in that is that this can have a negative effect on a developing male's perceptions of women and their outlook on how to treat them online and maybe even offline in their real world relationships. And the final point is that the, this loud minority of women who uh, use sexuality and self-objectification as a marketing strategy for their stream are disrespectful to themselves and others and also set a standard and expectation for women who aren't about that life. So this video came out, people went crazy. Some people were like, <laughs> yeah, and went into Twitch chats where girls were streaming. We're like, watch this video, link, paste, paste, link. And like they would check that out and, you know, some people's feelings were hurt. There were a lot of response videos. People sent this dude who made this video death threats, you know, and mm. the, there was kind of like this huge counter argument that culminated during this, this like this, this, well, the stream on Twitch um, with himself and a bunch of other people. And the, the big so to summarize the, the three like major points of that argument, it's that. The counter is essentially that women are no better or worse for choosing to use their looks as a means of drawing users to their content and don't deserve condemnation. Whether the user is sexually riled up or paying for content, it's a mutually exclusive transaction. That was a big deal. That it's a mutually, no, not a mutually exclusive transaction, that it's a mutually consensual transaction. Um, the second point being that a, a woman who uses her looks or sexuality as a draw to her gaming content is no different than a less attractive man who happens to be funny and uses their comedy improv skills or rehearsed bits as a draw to their content. Um, the moment one adds commentary or face cam to their gameplay, the presentation becomes games plus. And the, the plus is like the person and their personality. And, you know, 
there's there's really no limitation on that. And the the final idea is that women can't own the responsibility of the future and upbringing of every viewer who operates as a product of their respective environment. And that there, there's no universal list of values that they need to adhere to um, other than the Twitch terms of service agreement. So the, I mean, the biggest point that I have to come down on is like, I feel like you're 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 in troubled water if you're going to make an argument that like one person represents their entire group and they are like they're in charge of that perception. Like if you if you say that about other group, like if you say that about a race of people or like a you know like a sexuality or something, like I feel like you're kind of already losing that argument because if you're talking about someone who doesn't have to deal with that, like it's just not an issue. You you get to represent yourself as an individual, and then that affects your reputation positively or negatively. If you're coming down and saying, like, this is bad because you are the spokesperson for all women, and now this is bad for all women, like, that's your perception of women. That's not what is actually happening. Like, that's you being a bad human being. It's right. not what, it's not the reality of, of the situation. And, like, it's, which is the exact same thing as saying, like, now you're causing all this bad behavior. Like, you're, wait, so you're making everyone else be terrible that's that's your responsibility now and right. frankly i think you're being easy with this guy this video was fucking infuriating this man like <laughs> telling people uh how they should behave and that they are causing young men to become sexually aroused and ruining their perception of women like it's no fuck that it's it has nothing to do with video games too and then frankly the the follow-up video i felt like those people were also way too easy on this guy who seems like a total asshole frankly from both videos and i watched Way more than the first seven minutes of the second video because I was hate watching it. I watched uh, almost the whole thing. Actually. Okay, yeah, because okay, yeah. When you get sucked in, okay, I'm not the only one. I got in it. Like usually, I try to like. That's funny. Well, he's got the he's got the audacity to refer to women as bitches when he's talking about them. He's got the audacity to tell them how they should behave mm-hmm. so that they won't enrage these hordes of teens out there. He thinks who are too impressionable to respect women if they are approached with somebody who may be using their sexuality in some way. And it's just fucking ridiculous. And like the and the guys that he's trying to like help them out, right? He's like, listen, you know, I'm I'm for women, and you're ruining it for all the other women. Like, is so so patronizing and paternalistic. And like, who is he as the gatekeeper of how women should behave on the internet to be- best represent all women? Just some fucking dude. Are there solid points defending him? Because I kind of come down and like, yeah, he's just being an asshole. Why are you? Why does he feel like it's his right to tell any any large group of people that, like, yeah, you can't do this anymore because it's either hurting my feelings or it's making me a bad person? I appreciate how thoughtful you are in, like, breaking down the points for him, but I don't know that he really has a leg to stand on. It's hard. It's a, I, I think it's a really difficult case to defend in many ways. I think there are I, – I don't think that both – that all the points on both sides um, – necessarily have like a a a a tug and pull like that that they're all in direct opposition with one another um one thing that i will say is that there so there's one part that has me sympathizing with the guy's video and it's essentially that at the end he sort of has this like thesis where he's saying that he's fighting for um he's fighting for the women that don't feel like they're like attractive enough or whatever that he's fighting for that essentially he's fighting for like this minority right and I don't I don't think that that serves as a defense for him, but I guess his his posture in saying that and and wanting to say that and I guess the the him sort of clarifying the framework of of everything that he's saying, especially even the fact that he did clarify that he's not referring to all women streamers but a specific kind, 
Um, it led me to believe that he's not being hateful to all women, just these women that he doesn't like. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Okay. So, and that, and that's the big problem. People have a problem with the idea of policing. And I think the conclusion that I kind of arrived at, because for me, for some reason, it was so important for me to arrive at a conclusion and to have a side on it. Right. Because I was kind of hearing both sides out and like, oh, well, there's some, there's something to both sides that I'm kind of getting. And I'm going to unpack the, the thing I'm going to unpack the thing that 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 did get me about Sky's argument. Um, the way he was addressed, it, I I almost don't feel like 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 approaching that in a very aggressive manner. Like there was this one guy who was like so mad at him. I think his name was Destiny. He was so mad at Sky. I he think was, his name was Andy Mangold. He was, he was very <laughs> he was just mad. Like, at him. You're so ignorant. I cannot believe that you would think of this ever. And you know what I mean. And I was just sort of like, ah, well, in some ways, this feels like a heated agreement than a heated argument because. It seems like they both are fighting for equality. I, there, I don't know. There's nothing about but, Sky that but, makes but, me but, believe but, that. But, but you, no, you no, 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 I know, 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 no, no, I know. Logistically, it's n- no, right? But well, it's it's very but, nice to say you're fighting for equality. That sounds great when it comes out of your mouth. But when you're fighting for, when you say you're fighting for equality, and your video is doing nothing but uh, criticizing women. Uh, if if you really cared about uh, women's acceptance in a community that is dominated by men, you make a video telling all the fucking guys to stop going on these streams and harassing these women and trying to get them to show their tits or whatever. Uh, and you would talk about the culture that is keeping people out, not the few people that have been able to somehow break through the wall and like brave this unfriendly territory and tell them how they're somehow doing it wrong. Uh, and and so like th- this idea at the end that he kind of like twists this language to make it sound like he's the good guy and he cares about these people that are the the quiet minority like it's all well and good to say but your actions are not supporting that and i think i think he may be a well-intentioned idiot but the result (laughs) is not helping anybody i mean if like if i really have to put myself in those shoes like i can imagine being the guy who's upset about it i can imagine being like like i feel like a lot of what what is causing people to be upset is feeling like go back to like upset teenage boy yourself and be like, well, I can't get a date and I feel like it's, I am deserving of it. So I'm very upset about someone who's using that to their advantage. And I can't, I have well, no access to that. Well, like, here, I, I, think I understand especially, it, but I think it's an immature approach to things. Especially right. in the follow-up video. I think it's very clear that a big part of his problem is that people are watching it which is him basically saying, like, I'm a streamer and I have this craft and this is an art, but I do it. But when you do it and you use your boobs, then you're cheating, uh, which right. is very clearly an undercurrent, if not an overcurrent in this argument that he's talking about. And he doesn't touch on the points directly in the video, but you watch that 45 minute like conversation and he's clearly just mad that the top women gamers are doing this thing that he doesn't think they should be doing. Well, I know. I mean, I know why he's mad. Like the perception is that's easier, right? Like he probably feels like he's doing something that took time to develop a skill and then they don't have to develop a skill. They were born with that thing. And that's not fair. The, I can see part of it. Like if somebody felt like they were a dedicated hardcore gamer or something like that, they're streaming on Twitch and uh, somebody comes in like, you know, a woman who is uh, using her physical assets as a way of getting more follows or more subscribes. Uh, it could probably feel disingenuous to them just entirely because they feel like, oh, well, they're bearing all and kind of playing League of Legends at the same time. And as me as a streamer, you know, I I feel like it's more about uh, 
the ability or the community that's being built up or something like that, where they feel like the value has gone down. And that's probably what's going through his mind, but he's just communicated that in probably the worst way possible. Um, but I mean, like I've seen that mentality too from other folks on Twitch. And- I don't think, look, let's be clear. I don't think he's communicating in the worst way possible. Like I disagree with his stance. Yeah. I don't think he is a bumbling idiot. Like he, he makes an argument that's twisting around what he's trying to say, yeah. but it doesn't present it like a dope. He's just presenting something I don't agree with. And I think it's kind of disingenuous. It's not like he's a, he, it's not a big, like, I feel like we're portraying it as if he's like a guy screaming at a video. Yeah. Um, and and being incoherent that's not it at all i just don't i think think he's a guy screaming at a video and not being incoherent but saying stupid stupid things that i think i i hope (laughs) at some point he'll look back on and regret yeah i just think it's poor it's poor logic in an argument yes that sounds like it could resemble solid logic if you don't think about it yeah if he had a more danger of it if he had a more concrete um stance on something like if if he went more uh if you went deeper into the whole aspect of like, there are these people that feel like other streamers feel like they're taking advantage of the platform and it's uh, doing harm for other females. It's a broadcasting platform. Yes. Like, sure, it was made for video games, but guess what? It's broadcasting. And there's all sorts of aspects of broadcasting. But there's Andy, your, Andy your... let me finish. <sighs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. Go ahead. What I was going to say is that, like, as somebody who, like, ex wife currently streams on Twitch about 40 hours a week. And she is somebody who definitely does not bear all. She is there for the community. It's a very serious thing about the games that she plays. And for her to be able to have to deal with, uh, on a daily basis, a lot of these abusive things that uh, seem like a norm on these other channels where it's, it's more widely accepted, that is something where, like, if there was more of an argument that he had brought up and was more concrete and with more examples, then I feel like it would have been a stronger presentation on his part. Because that's ultimately, I feel like, the concern that he was trying to get across uh, outside of all the other abrasive language around the subject. And right. um, ultimately, like, that that really is the problem. It, it For him, I think it was more personal, like these women are getting more follows and more views and everything than me. Therefore I'm offended. But uh, essentially that's not really the problem. Wait, so what, what are you framing as the problem? Uh, So, okay. Yes. It's a broadcasting platform. Anybody can technically do whatever the fuck they want. So long as there's some sort of hint at video games in it, but it's that uh, consequence of some uh, female streamers that do tend to bear all and do things that are more suggestive. Um, or even more lewd, and that that uh, frames a sort of um, mentality that's okay for male uh, followers or you know uh, uh, chat participants or whatever uh, to think that that's okay, and that they can go into any uh, channel that has a female streamer, and that that's going to be accepted. Where it unfortunately is, well, okay, very fortunately, is not. For which we should blame the men, all of the men saying horrible things, and none of the women. Well, no, I think it's definitely a balance. Uh, I think that... It, <laughs> I don't yeah. think it is. No. I think yeah, if you're a man I, I and you're saying horrible I things, it's, it's your there. fucking fault. No, well, so, I mean, oh, there's... Oh, like that. Well, okay. yeah, I guess so, but... Dan, go on. Well, are you going to go to the beach and blame women for sitting around in bathing suits because some people, some men are going to look at them creepily? Uh, like, like where does where does he draw that line, right? Well, like, okay. Well, it, I guess one one of the arguments that he made against that was essentially that the so for the women who encourage and reward yes that type of behavior yeah that's detrimental to the women who aren't interested in that. 
And there are women who are aware of that. And because of that, they have mods in place to ban those people. Yes. But there are, there are other women streamers that do the opposite. Like, it's like, you call me that and I'll do a dance. Which is entirely within their right. Right. I mean, no, it's, it's, like, it's, it's entirely within their right. And then I think that, I, but I feel, I feel like that's where, uh, that, that's, that's where the focus of the conversation shifts. Like, that, that's where the conversation kind of branches off into two separate things. Between a breach of terms of service and um, you can, an argument you can over reward, intent, right? And one is shakier than the other. I don't care if 90% of the women reward and encourage that behavior. It does not excuse anybody from going to the other 10% and behaving like a fucking asshole. Right. Like, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. Men need to get their shit straight. Well, yeah, right. but you're also like, you have to have to think about the audience that is here. I mean, overwhelmingly, uh, if you look at it, it's uh, like younger guys that are from teenage to early 20s that have not yeah. built up uh, a mentality that is more mature. And that's not to discount the, you know, the overall situation, but the unfortunate fact is that there's a maturity level that does not exist, that exists in you, Andy, and exists in all of us in this conversation. I'm not, I'm not being very mature about this. I'm being very angry. Wait, no, no, and, 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 and even more so is being <laughs> developed in those streams. Like, they're learning in those streams. The thing that has consequences is that there is um, positive affirmation that these actions can be okay. And that uh, given all the conditions that these participants, the, the chat participants, whatever, followers, whatever, uh, feel like that they can test that water wherever. And that uh, if they get banned, well, okay, I'll just go to the next stream. And that it's this continual like feedback loop that they're getting that is very toxic. Like it's something that uh, can end up ruining a channel. It, can, it, it definitely affects female streamers in, in an exceptionally negative way. And it, for me, I would want to wonder if there was some sort of a way that um, everybody could still have the freedom to broadcast whatever they want, but there was like some sort of extra something that was adding, added in to where um, there was a clear difference. Like this is accepted in some places, but not in all places, you know? I mean, I think you can definitely develop tools for it, but I don't think that shifts the kind of responsibility. Like, yeah. yes, it, it can be th like that that behavior by not the women streaming, but by the men, like, or anybody, like we're assuming men, but whatever, yeah. whoever goes on and is abusive, that doesn't shift the responsibility. Like if we want to blame anybody who's not them, maybe their mom or their dad, but like, we're not blaming the people who are encouraging of it. And maybe you can build better tools of it, but I still don't think that's an argument for who somebody else being responsible for that behavior. And um, and I hear the point that this is a bunch of children, essentially, and I think that it is largely very young people, and there is a maybe a higher level like issue at play here, which is that the internet gives a voice to everybody on this equal playing field, whether you are a still emotionally and, you know, intellectually developing person or whether you're a fully formed adult. Um, and But I think like this culture that seems to pervade this system, which I have never been on, I have no, I, I, I've watched Twitch plays Pokemon for a while. Yep. Uh, but I don't think this is, this is the same kind of thing. Um, so, like, this culture is a result of the fact that it's still predominantly males. Like, there's other places on the internet where this stuff happens, too, and you look at the statistics, and it's just, like, where all the dudes happen to all end up, this is where this shit goes down. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think we're making any progress by telling the women to alter their behavior because they should be aware they're amongst a bunch of idiots. Uh, like, that's not getting anybody anywhere. And if anything, it's only making women feel less welcome because now they're being told how they should and should not behave in this place. The rules are different for them.
there there was a second concern that I think I think there I think there were two concerns that Sky had that both shared responsibility in his video on the stream. One of them was obviously, you know, this this whole perception of cheating, right? And then another one was a concern that um these women um are taking a but, well, okay, so we kind of touched on it, like women kind of taking advantage of impressionable men, but not necessarily impressionable in the sense that this is a place where they're learning how to like treat and interact with women on the internet and maybe even off the internet. Um, but that um, that there are women who have like um, their Amazon wish lists and mm-hmm. you know donation buttons, and you can pay five dollars for an application for a boyfriend application, and like an example that he brought up was like you know. A bunch of thirsty dudes who are essentially trying to follow up with these women in real life and send them emails and some women who like email them back and you know essentially like all like these different avenues of like communication that are that are disingenuine that lead to the idea that there is some sort of manipulation happening and it gets very gray obviously because what we're talking about is case by case so as far as like a conversation about like this meriting like yes then we need to police this that's not an argument for that this is an argument for policing policing can go but so far like especially when it starts to like dance on the dance on the premise of like intent you know what i mean so besides that i guess at this point we're just talking about ethics right um well, this, this it seems whole... like it's kind of a, like it's a related issue, but maybe not. I mean, first of all, if grown men or people that are above whatever age is your self-identified age of where people can do whatever they want with their money uh, are giving their money to these people for whatever reason, like, great, good on them. That's totally great. I have no problem with that. If it's a situation where, like, adult people of any gender are somehow taking advantage of, like, 10 and 12-year-olds that have access to a PayPal account... Um, then that's a totally different issue than how women should and shouldn't behave in their streams. Like, right. But it's just like the idea that they're taking advantage of a situation is crazy to me because they are completely disenfranchised and a minority with no privileges in this entire like universe. Like the idea that they would be taking advantage of something is insane. Like they should take advantage of a lot of things to get back to somewhere of an equal playing field. Right. I would take advantage of every single thing I had available to me if I was in a situation like that because... It's not a level playing field. It's a male dominated. Well, well here's, I mean, here's the thing too. Like, uh, not being in that position, I try to take advantage of every single thing I have in my power to get ahead. Always. Yeah. Like, that's right, 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 yeah. that's just part of and being the, and a person. And that's, so and I'm that's one of the do compelling arguments and, that like a man can use their comedy in the same way that a woman might use her looks, and there shouldn't be like a tier for that. Like that should be a democratized means of getting attention for the content that they're putting out there. I'm a, I mean, I think that's a valid argument. I don't think you can set like I can understand being upset about it because you could feel like somebody was born with something versus something that somebody had to work hard to earn. But like at the end of the day, it's a, it's a, a thing that you have. Right. Uh, well, well, here's you can kind of use. And here's the thing that Sky said differently. He said it on a recent stream that I watched last night that I was surprised to find out that made me slow to anger over the the argument that you mentioned earlier, angry uh, Andy, just uh, angry. Your name's angry now, Andy. <laughs> and, just, angry <laughs> man gold. It's, it's me. Angry, angry man, man gold. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, um, where, where you you where where you talked about how the blame is completely on the men, and 
Uh, so Sky, uh, he talked about how he essentially said that, that there was something that he wanted to bring up, but he he scared bringing it up because one, it's something that he's ashamed of. Second, he wasn't he was afraid of being accused of it being this like huge logical jump, which for him is not a huge logical jump. It's really personal, and he said it would have hurt his feelings a lot because it's very like personal situation. But essentially, said like when he was sixteen, uh, he was raped, and at that point in time, like it was a time where you know he was kind of coming into his own and. Um, he's, he's out as a homosexual and he said, you know, he was struggling with homosexuality and how he was supposed to deal with it, especially because he knew that his family wasn't going to be very accepting of it. So he sort of found refuge on the internet where he would like just talk in the chat room with people. And there was this one guy who said he was an age that he really wasn't. He was actually much older, um, that he was sort of like talking about. Talk, talking this talking about this with and like he would sort of like counsel him and then it, it, he said like I mean the way that the conversations went like you know he seemed trustworthy and you know he asked him for his address and his phone number and he said you know hey I want to come over and so that we can talk about this more in person and he gave him that information the guy came over like and he, he essentially said like he took him to the basement and he raped him and his his brother walked in and found them and then they called the police and there was this whole fiasco about how dealing with like um, you know, whether he's going to be put in a foster home or not. And that it was like this big traumatic experience of his life is very personal thing. And like for him, he said, like he kept running into a wall in this conversation, even if he could theoretically agree with the things that people were saying about it being completely the men's fault. But he said he couldn't stop thinking like every time they say it's completely the men's fault. I go back to that situation with this guy who was trustworthy and circumvented my defenses and and mm. and and counseled me like. Was it my fault that I got raped? Or well, was wait, it his? Wait a minute. And, no, but he's, no and it's like, not. It's fucking not at all. If, like, if at the end of the day, <laughs> like, the women like lure a man into their home and rape them, right. it's absolutely their fault for raping them. Right. But it yeah. doesn't... Like, like, that's a terrible story. And I'm, this sounds like a horrible thing that happened to this guy. Uh, and I, I can't imagine how I would cope with it. But that is not at all equivalent. Like, 0%. Right. Like, this person lured him in, committed a horrific crime, a horrific, extremely intimate personal crime. Like, that is not the same as women taking advantage of whatever they want to take advantage of to boost the viewership on their streams. And the conflation of those two things is fucking terrible. I don't, I mean, if there was more to finish, I didn't mean to end the story, but like, I think I just keep sympathizing with his brokenness more than his points. (laughs) (laughs) Which, which really, like, fine, lock me up for that. Like, no, I mean, no, I, I, it's, I, I mean, this is I like, an, it's not an attack mangled. on your point of view. It's just a, like, right, I can't right, right, stand right. Okay, by the logic okay, of, the, of his argument there. No, I, I know I'm being angry Like, I mangled, feel very, but... I feel bad about that situation. Like, that's a very sad story. And I'm, that's, I'm sure that's permanently damaging, but that doesn't make those two things the same thing. Right. It's, it's actually, right. A, like, the victim in those two stories are totally opposite. Right. Totally opposite. Right. And I was curious, I mean, for myself, I was like, ah, you know, maybe this is a logical leap. I'm not sure. It's just one of those things I'm not sure of. Like, I I understand that he can, like, he could potentially identify with what these women, like, the beginning of that part, the part that made him feel so trusting. Um, Maybe he can identify similar language and things like that. Right. But, like, if that never, if the the end point never happened, it wouldn't be uh, such a terrible thing, so, right? Like if I, if he just learned to trust a guy and then he was trustworthy or like, I mean, maybe he said, give me $5 or something like that. Then he feels like, ah, oh, well, if I feel tricked out of $5, then that's, that's not great, but that's not, you know, mm-hmm. that's not terrible. But the taking it to that extreme just does not equate. Yeah. But I, I wonder if the thing that he was trying to get out, uh, which is 
probably very hard to parse for him because it was such a personal experience. But I wonder what, what he was trying to get at is the um, potential for predatory um, experiences that happen through uh, platforms like this, or like for him, it was forums on the internet where the like the the people that are following these channels and like really interacting with these streamers uh, would come off as trustworthy and come off as people who uh, like really sympathize, like if they're going through something or whatever, and that there is the potential danger of uh, being these being real predators. And I wonder if that was the thing I was trying to get through and it just got really very much wrapped in, in his own experiences. And I mean, that is bad. That a, what Dan's I mean, saying is a real thing. Somebody running a scam, I could understand. Like if it was if somebody saying like, you know, a woman using her her charms and saying, "Give me all your money," and it ends up being some sort of scam, as opposed to them being straightforward about this is a donation that you're giving me. Mm-hmm. Like I can understand that is bad, and then that's her fault. And but a scam is totally different. Like it's, right, it's right. just a different thing. <laughs> but what what Sam what Dan is saying is a real thing, and even that's that's just a real thing amongst YouTubers. Like. Mm-hmm. For like one conversation that constantly comes up, like is clear communication to the viewership because we are communicating in 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 some capacity. Like it really depends on what demographic you're kind of reaching out to. But for myself, I'm very mindful of, and I'm not the only one who's very mindful of things as simple as someone who. Oh, one th- one thing that I th- one thing I believe I could be getting it screwed up. I'm not even gonna say the YouTuber's name because I don't want to get my facts like all screwed up. But like one YouTuber who like whenever he gets a subscriber like during a stream or whatever, like he bro fists the camera. Like the oh, it actually was brought up in the video. Like yeah. th- th- this idea of creating this friendship that is impossible. Like yes. like communicating that we can be really really close friends, um, like over the internet in a way that we really really can't because of sheer the sheer number of people that might be fans of the work that you're doing like mm-hmm. like for myself i make it really clear that i'm never sending a mixed message about the kind of relationship that i'm having with people i don't know and have never hung out with over the internet and it's just an important thing for me i could not do that you cannot police me i cannot do that i cannot care i have the freedom i can exercise mm-hmm. that but i don't because i know i i like i I see how that can be devious. Mm-hmm. So and, how can it be? And devious? I think that, and I and I and I think that that's important. And I would never slam anyone else to do the same thing, but it's important for myself. Mm-hmm. And I don't well, know. Well, actually, that's, that's weird interesting because I don't know that like even us on this show, like I don't know that we try to create that barrier. I feel very much like I've there are probably a lot of people that listen that. to this. Uh, there are probably a lot of people that listen to the show that like if they reach out to me and said, "Hey, I you know I like your show a lot. You know, you want to hang out?" I pretty much always say yes because. I feel like if you've listened to this, you probably, you kind of know me pretty well by now. Yeah. And that's, it's not that I can reach out to all, however many thousand people listen to the show and and be best friends with them. But I do think that like, you are kind of getting to know me through this. And mm. if you listen to this enough yeah. and you reach out, then you're, we're at a starting point. Like, I understand it's an unfair balance because I don't necessarily know you back, but I'm willing to take a chance on that so, and i i also understand i'm in a position where like i don't have to worry too much because um like i don't know i'm sure if if you're a woman on the internet you probably have to worry about that a lot more yeah. but i don't think it's i don't think it's evil to kind of feel like you're creating a bond with your audience or or even like that it's the not that, that. I it's to. moments where it crosses the line man there is a line and it can be crossed like for example i had this kid whenever i mentioned a game on twitter he would gift me the game on steam and i had to be like dude you have to stop I had to email Steam to get him to refund his money because 
that barrier was being crossed because of one or two friendly tweets with like yeah. a winky or something well, wait, like that. Wait, so I, I mean, what is the, what is the issue with that? I mean, people that listen to this podcast have bought me eBooks before. Like what is, where is the problem for myself? I'm not comfortable with people putting, putting that out for me. I don't need that. I will, if, if there's a game that I'm interested in, I will get it for myself. Like, and, and, the thing and is that it's unwarranted. The, yeah, it's un, it's un, it's unwarranted. But, but you're talking about being like I I too am uncomfortable receiving any gifts. I hate. Yeah, gifts I never I never want to poorly communicate the idea that we have that kind of relationship where we're just giving free stuff to each other all the time when I don't even know your first name. I just know your screen name. Like yeah, yeah but, but Satchel, if like if say let's say you didn't feel that way, that wouldn't make you bad. Not right? necessarily. Like, that's, and but, that's, like I, th- I honestly, I think that's very admirable to like say that and make that clear. But I, if you didn't feel that way, I wouldn't think you were evil all of a sudden. Maybe I'm missing the point, but I, like I do, I think that's a very respectful boundary to draw. But like, if you did accept his gift, mm-hmm. um, I don't think that's the worst thing. You do, know, do, would if, you feel like you owe really him something like at he that point? That, to give that to you, and I think it's good probably because he's a kid and like maybe he doesn't even really like that's not his choice to make if he's too young to be kind of spending that money. But if it were just between adults and it were like and one adult gifted you this thing because he feels like he wants you to read it, I'm kind of okay with that. I, if that's the thing that both those adults want to do, even if one doesn't know the other as well. Yeah. I, 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 I literally terrible. bought Minecraft for anybody that emailed me on this show like 20 episodes ago. That's fine. I've, 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 I never expressed that I was condemning anybody who didn't like... If you don't, no, if you, you don't didn't. fall in you line, didn't. yeah. If no, you don't, if I know. You don't fall I, I wasn't, in line with I wasn't my trying practices, to imply. Yeah, I wasn't trying to imply that you did. I'm just trying to understand. Like it seems like, like in a simple, in a, in a very, in a very simple way to put it, I can't help but not listen. Now, obviously, I don't paint everyone this way, but because I do not know the person who is doing these things for me, I cannot properly discern whether this is going to become a like a stand story, like you know Eminem song Stan. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, where, yeah, exactly. Like where someone, Wait, so, so someone who takes so someone so who takes something about... too far. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take it to that extreme where everybody who gives me something is on the you know about to jump off of a cliff, and whether I clarify my relationship with them or not keeps them alive. But in the event that something like that would happen, I it it would be heart wrenching to feel partially responsible because I wasn't clear. Now there are lots of people that would tell me that it's not on me, and that's totally fine. And frankly, I'm not hanging myself with a noose over it either. But I would like to take that precaution because I can. Yeah, and I mean, but boy, so wait, why is that frustrating like, that I that I would want to do that? <laughs> it's, it's it's not frustrating. It's not frustrating. <laughs> okay, I, I'm trying to because like, this is like I said, this has nothing to do with policing. This has nothing to do with conforming anybody to well, what I. But it, I it kind of do. does, right? Because this is your like, this is you explaining why this kind of relationship with your audience is problematic, and it ties right back to this guy telling women to put more clothes on if they're going to play video games in front of a camera, like. I, I don't know it doesn't that, because anything... I can see the duality between understanding all of the rights that any woman in this country might have and understanding what I would allow my daughter to do and not do. And I think that those two understandings can coexist and it doesn't have to be hypocrisy. Like I can I can recognize all of the things that a woman is capable of. Doing. I can recognize anything that an individual it doesn't even matter if it's a woman. Like there are a whole bunch of things that I can be that I can totally recognize a, a teenager or a child like being like like not like I can not cast judgment on somebody else for doing something that I wouldn't necessarily have like my child or my family member do. But then you are talking about you're framing it as like an adult versus a child. And I know we could also be talking about like a grown child, but 
I do think like when somebody says what I would allow my daughter to do, they imagine like a tiny child, which no, that would not be appropriate for a tiny child to do. But uh, an adult woman that changes the story a lot. And that was very much the tone of this guy's video as if he was talking to a tiny child when he actually was talking to a bunch of grown women with their own autonomy. And it's, it's not even like, I don't think he ever intended to say they don't have the right to do this, but he was clearly saying like, it is wrong of them to do this. And if we can take rights off the table, I think we all agree that everyone has the right to do whatever they want. Um, the idea that it's, this is wrong empirically uh, and specifically wrong of women and not of just people in general, uh, I think is just... It's all just a red herring, I think. I think this guy's got other issues. Uh, and the thing that frustrates me most about the argument is that he puts it in the light of him being the person that is caring about this issue and trying to fight for equality and fight for what's right. And it's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Like, I, I, it's a really dangerous paternalistic attitude. And he's just got right. it sort of portrayed as this thing where it's like, I care about the women that aren't talking. And it's like, well, that's not <laughs> like... If if you did, there's other things you could do that didn't involve. And he like calls women bitches in his fucking video. Like I don't. It's it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I I think I think the most like the solution that I even arrived at. Actually, I actually put together like a video kind of just explaining both sides of the situation for people who are confused about it. And the solution I arrived at was that the best thing that we can do is encourage a non toxic environment. Yes. Um, but we yeah. can't single people out. Singling people out is never, it's not the answer. It's not, that's not going to have change. The people who are doing these things, no matter where people land on it, are going to continue doing those things. And they're, and it's going to continue to be fine that they do it because they still fall in yeah. line with Twitch's terms of service agreement. And rather than trying to single people out and like frustrating people or judging people, Instead, what you can do is you can turn to those people who are being disrespectful in the streams and you can try to like for myself, like one of my suggestions, I was like, this may not necessarily happen, but why not try to start a nonprofit organization with with uh, esports like esports cyber athletes who play all of these games that people stream all the time and create an organization that takes them and puts them on put, you know, puts them on a soapbox to talk about like the detrimental effects of like calling someone a slut and a whore in a stream, you know what I mean? And, and instead tries to encourage positivity. I think that is the best thing that we can do. And for some people, that's very passive and that, that's not good enough. But I think that that is great. <laughs> like, I think I think that that's great. And it's, it's a lot more fruitful than trying to get people to, like, white knuckle this, like, stained glass effort into, I don't know. Well, no, I mean, I think that, I mean, that's a start. That's certainly a start. Like, you, you can listen to, it's not, it's not Twitch gaming necessarily, but, like, we talked about Gamergate a while ago and like you can, there's another podcast on this network called isometric and there's a woman named Brianna Wu who went through some serious shit because she was kind of attacked during that whole thing. And like, go listen to that. And if you, if you listen to that and you still want to like go on a Twitch channel and abuse somebody, um, I'm not like, I'm not sure if I can understand your humanity anymore yeah. because it's, you listen to a real story like that and it, you, if you didn't already feel that way, you're going to change your mind really quick because you realize that, I think like I think the danger of representing the the problem that this all stems from is that you're 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 making one person represent an entire group of people and when you do that you can't see that individual as a person anymore and when you take it back go listen to someone's story go listen to that a terrible thing that happened to them and you hear them as a person again it's it changes your opinion real quick it's going to I mean right I would be shocked if it did not right. um and you can go like go read an essay by Anita Sarkeesian talking about getting bomb threats. Um, well, it's not, like, there's no shortage of examples of, of this kind of thing. And you don't even have, you don't have to make it women. You can make it any kind of group that gets attacked on the internet for any reason. Yeah. And it's extremely detrimental. 
Um, and we do need, like, yeah, we do need to come, come up with non-toxic environments, better tools to stop the abuse. Like, I don't think we're going to instantly educate everybody. I think we do have to come up with tools to prevent abuse because you do have to just shut some people up. Like you can't make everybody's mom better and raise them better or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but like the abuse tools don't make the people doing the abusing better. They might help the, the person being abused. But ultimately, like the big, the big, big, big problem is just like feeling like you can t- say to all women, like, yeah, don't do this. You're not allowed to because uh, it makes me uncomfortable. Definitely. That's the big, big problem. I'm, I'm in full agreement. I, I did have, so I had one hang up with, uh, so for myself, this is weird. I didn't, was not passionate about this topic until just now. So <laughs> Wait, which one? Which one? <laughs> this is this this topic entirely. I was more fascinated with the fascination around it, but yeah, I, I think a stance slowly emerged. Right. So for myself, logically, the guy's video at best was comical, but as far as like arguing points, it didn't really hold a lot of water. But there was one point that I got hung up on, and. It's not necessarily because I agree with it, but I actually just kind of wanted to touch. So, I mean, it goes without saying, I, I respect the three of your opinions a lot. So consider this like, consider this like doubly like, have grace with me. <laughs> and I, and I, I really consider this a playground in throwing out this idea because I think that it's at least worth a conversation. Um, right. So the hang up I keep coming back to is the issue of if representation is a real thing or not. So one of the big points was for you to expect a woman to be a representation of their entire gender is wrong. You know what I mean? And then even total biscuit, I respect the hell out of him. He has his podcast with four people. One of them is a woman Dodger. She's super cool. She's super intelligent. She keeps to herself in in many regards, um, which saddens me because she's really smart. And whenever there is a topic that has anything to do with feminism, especially with the Gamergate stuff, Total Biscuit intentionally never asked her what her opinion was on it because he never wanted to put her in a situation where she was seen as the representative of all women. Now, that does two things. Mm -hmm. For one, the fact that he doesn't do that is good because it's dumb to see it that way. But the fact that he has to choose not to do that proves that it's a real thing that people do regardless right so yeah um as men we can record a podcast make youtube videos or stream as ridiculously as we want and never worry about anyone saying hey man stop doing that you're making all men look bad like this this idea of letting the isolated actions of an individual stand as representations of their entire people group is a real thing and the the idea of having right so right so our answer to this problem right of of having women speak on behalf of their entire gender being unfair is to acknowledge that we're on a level playing field now, right? And where where that's yeah. that's not the case anymore. You know, we're we're not in some bigoted Puritan fourteen hundreds world. Uh, but I wonder, I wonder, thinking about this and journaling about this, I wonder if this solution is flawed. Um, I wonder if the response is to act like we're on a level playing field that has always been a level playing field which it hasn't. I think, I think that there's a way, like, I think it's progressive in a good way to operate as if we're on, on a level playing field. Cause we are, cause we're equal, but it's progressive in a bad way to operate on a level playing field. That's always been a loving playing field. Well, I mean, one thing about that, like there's no doubt that I struggle with that idea that like, like we're like the, your example you used on the podcast, 
I mean, I think about that on our podcast. Anytime we have someone on to discuss like a big issue and we're kind of like we had a show a couple weeks ago where we brought Morris Cherry on and like we wanted to talk about diversity in design. And he's a black designer and he does a podcast about black designers. And like one thing that I was very concerned about is like I'm, I am specifically asking him to like talk about the black culture because he's a black guy. And now like am I just doing that thing again? Or are we just doing that thing where we're like, well, go speak for your whole race because you are a representative of that. Right. Um, but I also think it would be terrible to do the other thing where we're like, you know what? Because because we acknowledge that that's a situation, like we cannot talk about this. We absolutely cannot talk about this because people are going to <laughs> get mad. People are going to accuse us of being racist. So we can't acknowledge that that's a problem. And like I think that's the balance you're talking about of like acting like we're on an equal playing field and acting like we're all we've always been on. And I think it's totally. I think what you have to, the the situation is like not act like you're on an equal playing field. Like treat everyone as if they are equal and like worth their opinion and then ask Which them their opinion are. their individual opinion not as representative like hey it's like it's okay you can talk about um this this issue dealing with women in gaming as a woman but it's oh, I I can also acknowledge that there will be other women that disagree with you that's okay right. i think that's that's the stance you have to take if you're going to if you're going to if, if you're going to even address it it's, that is not like a fully formed and finished opinion. No, I, I got you. I totally I understand worry about you. that a lot. Like I worry <laughs> that we're just kind of like sometimes bringing people on and saying like, Hey, go ahead. Uh, explain Dance. the situation to us. Dumb yeah. guys. Yeah. I, <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that because I actually had, now, now, this is, this is actually, it's horrible, but if we're, I'm just going to be honest, like I had talking points that because we're talking about human rights so i have talking points that tie into that 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 i wrote down for myself that tie into my experience as a minority but i intentionally left them out because i was like uh one i don't want to be the guy with the megaphone two i don't want to make anyone feel guilty like because okay. in 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 my video when i addressed you know why because in this video when when i when i addressed the situation i used the word privilege just as the word privilege and people replied on twitter like f you dude like you think you're better than me because of minority like it was it was like this weird thing it was like unsubscribe wow. like I, I didn't know that i was walking in on that i was like no 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 i had to individually reply to people like no 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 when i'm talking about privilege i am not talking about like racially charged blindness like that's not where i'm coming from at all like i'm literally talking about things that I'm, i don't know it was it was a whole separate thing you know what i go back and forth sometimes i'm like it's time sometimes it's not and you know what it's complicated because mm -hmm. people are yeah. complicated you know yeah. I, I don't like anyone who thinks that they like have an absolute like correct response to that I will backhand them, honestly, because that's silly. <laughs> like, you're out of your goddamn mind. All right, anyway, sorry. I don't even know if you can say damn. Um, no, that's fine. So, I mean, no. The other thing, too, I have a the hard time with is, is like, I, like, I like talking about stuff. and I Like, right. that kind of stuff. I like talking about it on this show. Mm -hmm. And one thing I get r real, I get nervous about, too, is, like, do we just sound like we're nothing but righteous? Like, talk, like, yeah, we acknowledge our own privilege. We acknowledge that we're, like, three white guys, and we don't have to deal with this kind of stuff. And, like, is that just super annoying to listen to after a while? And at least because yeah. I don't think... I just want to acknowledge that that exists, and I don't think that I'm perfect at all. The reason I want to talk about it because I don't necessarily think I'm all that good at it. I want to get better at it, um, but right. I, and I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna change if I'm just like, 
it's not there. It doesn't exist. Right. And we and had an we awesome really non-awkward conversation at that Houndstooth pub about. We did. Actually. We talked about it the worked. whole gamut of everything that would make just about <laughs> any conversation between a white guy and a black guy shaking their boots. And it was so fine the whole way. Like, that was really cool. Uh, but mm. yeah. So like getting back to the point like maybe this gender or race pr um is a positive measure given the history of inequality like this response of like this response of like saying you know it's wrong to have women speak on behalf of their entire gender it's very postmodern in that it disregards legacy and tradition in favor of logic and objectivity which is a great starting place but uh what you get are people who claim to be race and gender blind And I'm not sure if it's just as offensive to deny the history, struggles, and limitations of being a woman specifically or any minority specifically as it is to just be sexist. Like, in both scenarios, you're still viewing cultural differences as an obstacle. It's just one has roots in the right wing and one has roots in the left wing. Like, I I wonder if there's a balance that doesn't have to throw away acknowledging the injustice or if it's just too awkward. Like, they both take extreme measures to get rid of societal differences, which, you know... At face value sounds like, well, why, like, aren't societal differences division? And I think it's, I think there are more layers to that. Uh, I, am I understanding you correctly in that you're saying that the asking people to not require a person who is public and of a certain group to represent that group is somehow at odds with accepting that our history is complicated no 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 no. i think that there are appropriate times and inappropriate times for example you can do the same thing in the opposite direction by saying isn't it great that president obama is the first black president if you're of of the same opposition you might say well it doesn't really matter man like you asshole who's counting when really it is something worth being celebrated no it super matters yeah it super (laughs) matters and it's super worth being celebrated and so that's what that's where i feel like there are venues where it's appropriate and there are venues where it's unfruitful that's where it seems like there are venues where, that are appropriate. I'm trying to not sound like this is a declaration or exhortation and that this is clearly something yeah. I'm thinking through and it's on paper right in front of me. Like th- there has to be two. I have an example. So this this will help materialize it. it. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You're going to say something. Well, I was just saying what you're describing to me is like the the satire of a person that like Stephen Colbert portrays on his show where he's like, I don't see race. Everything's fine and perfect and everyone's equal. I've never met an actual liberal person that held any of those beliefs. Am I, am I missing something? Am I missing like a, a group of people here? I don't follow. Who are the people that are actually saying they're they're blind to race? Or yeah, gender you're saying or that this is like a, a, a something that's rude. Oh, in, okay, like, okay. The left, well, here, right? here, the example will help. For example, I've met people like that. Um, but for example, I'll, I'll use I'll use an example. So I have a friend of mine. He goes to he goes to church, right? And he goes to a multi ethnic church. And there uh, was this there there was this guy that approached him. We were we were we were eating uh, we were eating dinner at this Chinese restaurant in Philly, and he was talking to me about the situation where one morning this 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 Anglo American guy came up to him and said, um, "Hey, you know, um, you know, Santosh, like when I see you, I don't see an Indian man, I just see a brother." And he he when when he was talking to me, he was saying, "You know what? For some reason, like like I understand where he was coming from and saying that. Like essentially, what he was saying was that he sees me as an equal. He sees me as an individual." Um, but for me, the way that it comes off as in his words is that, are you in saying that, are you, aren't you kind of denying the, the brush that God used to create me? Like, aren't you kind of like tossing away, like, you know, the language and the history and the wars that come with me being an Indian man by seeing, by saying that you don't see an Indian man, but you just see a brother. 
And I think that there are euphemisms for that in secular culture as well. Yeah. Well, it also, like, at, I was just going to say, like, it, it just feels weird with situations like that because it kind of feels like they're trying to acknowledge that they see them as an equal, but at the same time, they're also acknowledging that they actually don't see them as somebody that is entirely equal to them because they're acknowledging that there's a racial difference or there's some sort of other difference. So, like, even though, like, they're trying to either convince or just communicate that they feel differently, at the same time, they're saying, like, okay, yeah, there, there, there's something different about you. There, there's nothing wrong with it, but everything's totally cool, you know? Well, I actually think it's a little bit different than that. I think it's saying, like, you know, like, it's almost like they're coming to the conclusion right then. It's like, uh, you know, I, I used to see you as something lesser, and I've come to the conclusion that you're not. And it's, it's kind of like saying that in one sentence, yeah. and you're like... Well, I'm glad you're there now, but it's very uncomfortable for me that you had to say that out loud. Yeah. I think right. I, I feel, I mean, hearing it, that's the way it comes off to me. Like, I feel like if I said that to somebody, I'd feel like an asshole because I'm like, oh, did I just, did I just tell them that, uh, there was a period of time where I didn't think that I'm like, that's, that's pretty fucked up. Actually. Yeah. Right. If that, yeah, if that, that. Yeah. If it has to sound like a realization like that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also like you, you can recognize equality without saying that everybody's exactly the same. Like there's, there's a distinct difference there that I think, you know, I, I, I agree with you, what you're saying, Sasha, like anybody that is taking this approach, I think is, is very flawed in their thinking and to erase the, the history of everybody's unique, uh, sort of, uh, context is just as problematic as being what we traditionally call racist or sexist because you're just ignoring these things well it's um, funny that's kind of like i don't mean to bring it all back around to the beginning but like that wasn't that kind of the flaw of modernism is like not being able to in like understand that people can be individual people it's like just painting everybody as the same like i don't see anyone as different everyone can just live in the same box and it's going to be fine it's like that's kind of that was kind of the problem like everybody is different but that doesn't that doesn't mean that people don't share the same rights like you do have to acknowledge that people come from different backgrounds and have different cultures and like that's how you're gonna that's the only way to make anything successful like you can't just assume everybody's gonna be exactly the same person i think that's the same that's the problem of of just like pretending you're a person that is totally colorblind because like one that's not genuine that is absolutely not genuine no one actually thinks that that's just the thing people have been trained to say so that they either feel better about themselves or like can portray themselves as a better person than they actually are um, I, was, I was thinking yesterday that to be a person that, if, if you don't believe in privilege, which there are plenty of people that do, like, you know, Bill O'Reilly doesn't think white privilege is a thing, notoriously. Well, the character of Bill O'Reilly. I mean, he might be an actual person. Who knows? Yeah, I, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> but, like, the, the very idea, like, there's something so simple to me in that, which is if you don't believe that privilege is a thing, it, be it racial, be it gender-based, be it any kind of privilege, uh, then you are either completely uh, ignoring facts about history and the current sort of state of the world, or you are undeniably a racist or sexist or whatever. Like, to look, to say that white privilege is not a thing, and to look at the statistics of, like, average pay for white people and non-white people is just to say that, oh, these people just must not care. They must be lazy or stupid or or bad. Uh, Like, there's no, there's a huge, like, there's a direct connection between those two things. Uh, and it just seems so problematic to not recognize that. Like the, the systems, it all comes back to the systems that we're all a part of. That's, that's the core problem of like all these things. Individuals are just, once you have enough individuals, it just averages out and you might as well have no individuals. It's fine. You just, all that matters is the system. <laughs> Thank you.
I officially have the least productive, least helpful, happy ending of them all. And hopefully I can maintain this title. I recommend Uniqlo Slim Flit um, Chinos. <laughs> so these, so for the longest, I really like khakis, right? And um, I, I, think, I, think that, I think that they strike a cool balance uh, between uh, casual and proper, just in case you come into the office on that day when a client is coming through and you have to not look like too casual, but at the same time you can be comfortable. And for the longest time I've had Levi's and which is, it's always a toss up. Like you can, ha you can have all your numbers down packed, but you can't ever on order online because the size is always very cra like crazy. And these, the, I feel like pants are getting slimmer and slimmer just to like follow the fashion. And Sometimes it's very, it's very, it's very hard to just find normal man fitting pants. Um, over the weekend, I stumbled my way into a Uniqlo, uh, which is essentially like the Gap, only it's like Japanese, and they they swap their sales. So most most stores when they have something new, it's like mad expensive, and then um, when they're about done with it, it's on sale. Uniqlo does it the opposite way where they have what's called a special promotion and they'll sell pants for $19 in the beginning. And then afterwards, then they go on to normal price. Um, so these chinos were the best thing that I ever tried on. They have mad room in the crotchular area. <laughs> It can breathe. You can breathe. All right. You know what I mean? Going right there. You yep. can, because that's the most important part. Like the rest of it, the rest of the pants are just going to be pants. What's important is that you can breathe in all the places <laughs> that require oxygen. And uh -huh. that is one of those places I can bend over and tie my shoe and I don't have to worry about anything ripping or anything grabbing my thighs in a weird way. And you, it's one of those privileges that you don't realize uh, until you have it. Like, for the longest time, it was just something I dealt with. I'm like, all right, this is my lot in life. I'm going to have these pants. They're going to hurt me when I want to tie my shoes. But for the first time, I had pants that didn't. And the material was super soft. They say it's Japan technology. So I'm a silly American. I believe that it's Japan technology. <laughs> you get a lot of Ginsu knives. These were an excellent pair of pants. And I recommend them. I, I recommend going to Uniqlo and getting some. Maybe you don't even. If, you don't, if Slim Fit's not your favorite, they have regular chinos as well. They're great for. Just about anybody who's looking for something comfortable in a work atmosphere. Done. Actually, I, I don't know if this is going to surprise you or not, but we've had this pants conversation. I've had this conversation with Andy about not being Hello. able to find a pair of pants that fit me. And that is like the, I share your, I share your struggle, the pants struggle mm -hmm. of like trying to figure out, like there's the, I just wear jeans every day. That's, that's what I've decided I'm going to do. Like I used to try to dress up in like nicer jeans or nicer pants, but I always had that thing of like, they don't fit quite right. They're super uncomfortable. They're too tight in the waist. They're too tight in the crotch. Like no matter what happens, there's something wrong with them. I always feel like I'm going to rip my pants if I bend over or whatever it is. Like there's this thing, I don't know what it is about men's pants, but they're just, they're horrible. Right. And I find, I end up finding like one or two pairs of pants that I can wear for my whole life. I wear for them, I wear them for as long as I possibly can until something something about them breaks to a point where it's not appropriate to wear them in a work environment anymore. And then I go get a new pair of pants and I, and I hope and pray that they're going to work out. This is a real issue. <laughs> I have the real pants. I have a serious pants. Yeah, problem. Okay. I feel so much better 
I seriously have like two <laughs> pairs of pants right now Dude, that, I, that... <laughs> that I switch between and I inevitably will tear them in a tiny way. And hopefully if I'm lucky, like my girlfriend is, uh, uh, works in fashion and knows how to operate a sewing machine. And I'm very grateful for that because I'm terrible at that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And if I'm lucky, she can repair it. And if, and if I've finally torn them to the point where <laughs> I can't deal with it any, like they cannot be used in public anymore, I have a little bit of a meltdown <laughs> and then I go buy new pants. <laughs> I could just see sad Matt at the at the end of the bed, just gently weeping into his his broken jeans. I had it had to be explained to me that like patching the knee up with like a new like a pair a, like a, a piece that you cut off of an old pair of jeans yeah. is not acceptable, and you're not allowed to take you you can't walk around in public like wow. that. Loved ones had to tell me that because I don't care. I'm I'm wearing the comfortable pants, yep. and I will repair them as many times as necessary. That's right. That's how it's in done. Order to, to keep those comfortable pants that's right i'll be i'll have those those professor patches on the elbows pants equivalent have you tried uh wearing sweatpants every day or perhaps leather jogging pants here's the thing i have some degree of <laughs> standard for myself like i understand that those are probably more comfortable but like i i have i hope a certain degree of standard which is not that high and Need for pockets. It's, it's yeah. somewhere between. So your standard is somewhere between sweatpants and jeans with patches just all over them. No, my standard is somewhere between like new pair of jeans and then jeans with patches all over them because I've learned that that is that well, is my. Well, you were love. saying you were saying you would wear those. So your actual. I've like, had to raise your my standards. core standards. Those are my new standards. Oh my! Like from, from <laughs> if no one ever intervened. Well, I don't, no, that's I'm, a scary <laughs> version <laughs> of no me. One I don't ever know. That's, that's an impossible version oh, of you. Oh no. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I the yeah. I don't know if I can do the professor pa- professor patches on the pants. I'm not. I'm I not maybe, trying to look like a fiddler on the I'm roof. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think if I could actually pull that off. Maybe I would be self conscious. Here's the thing: there are people to stop me. And by people, I mean my lovely girlfriend will stop me before I walk out the door, so I never have what to up, deal with Susie? that situation. But I don't know. Would I actually be able to deal with myself in public like that, or would I would I look down and say, "Okay, I've made a horrible mistake." I don't. I don't make it that far. There are people who love me. I told you about the the fancy denim repair place in New York that will seamlessly repair any pair of jeans in any place. You did tell me that, except I still feel like I'm not buying very expensive jeans. This is the other problem. I have have this worry that every every time I've tried to buy these expensive pair of jeans, the like $200 pairs of jeans that are supposed to last for a really long time, I get them and I I convince myself they're going to work because they're expensive and then they're not comfortable and I go back to the like... Fifty to sixty dollar pair of jeans, and then I don't feel like then I don't feel like I, it warrants repairing those pants because I only spend fifty sixty bucks on them. But the value, the value is not in the dollars. The value is in what it means to you in your heart. And if those <laughs> are your pants and you love them and they're the ones you want to wear and they're the only comfortable ones you found, who cares if they were free? Maybe you got them at a thrift store. That doesn't mean you can't repair them with love. Satchel, what is the price range of these recommended pants? Nineteen ninety. Nineteen dollars. Nineteen ninety. Nineteen dollars. Dude, no. yeah. see, I could just get like twenty of those. Yeah, I'm not really a, a khakis guy, but maybe I maybe I could become a khakis. Well, you should guy. just go in there anyways because you need clothes. They do the same thing uh, with their jeans really as well. Yeah, yeah. It's all 1990, mm-hmm. dude. Yeah. This has been on the grid episode 109. Thanks so much to Satchel Drakes for joining us this week, and sorry to Dan Hour that we didn't make him talk about video games more. So this week, I'm just going to tell you about our Twitter account. The account is at GridShow. It's a robot that mashes up our tweets and spits out weird and wonderful things. This week, it's getting weirder and stranger and more meta and more understanding. It's even thanked you for listening. It's kind of terrifying. At GridShow on Twitter. Twitter.com slash GridShow. Follow us. 
Thank you to Roll Music and Glass Boy for the interlude music. Thank you to Girlfriends for the theme music. And as always, thanks to you for listening. Until next week. I do want to hear, what is this game that's so great? I do at least want to hear it. You can have two happy endings. The floor is yours. (laughs) Okay, cool. All right, cool. Dan, feel free to chime in if you can. We didn't get to talk about video games that much, man. We need to do that. Dan was supposed to force you into a corner and make you talk about video games, and he didn't do it. Man, no, I'm not going to do that. That's pushing. That's what we talked about before the show. So So Ori and the Blind Forest is a platformer. Uh, it's kind of like a Metroidvania, so like there's a lot of elements about it that are like reminiscent of Metroid in Castlevania, and uh, you're essentially it has this really compelling story, probably the most one of the most compelling stories I've ever seen in a platformer, like a side-scrolling platformer, um, where you sort of have this like mystical caretaker that's it's like a it's like a beast that doesn't have it, there's no it's not an actual animal, but it's like this mythical beast, and like it kind of takes care of you. And it sacrifices its life caring for you. This all happens at the beginning, so it's not spoilers or anything. And you sort of re- this is like Eddie Murphy in Mulan. Um, what? The 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 dragon character Mushu <laughs> in Mulan is the mythical. Creature oh yeah, that yeah, yeah. There you go. Takes care of. Yeah, her. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, sort sort of like that. Um, and you 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 live in this forest that like um dies, like the entire forest dies, and then you can't live, and then you die, and there's like this mystery around it, because it's sort of like a prophecy that you were supposed to die, because you release this energy that brings the force back to life, and you're trying to, rest- you're trying to restore the force by collecting all these different things, and um, it, I think for me, like the biggest draw was probably just the art style, where it's this, it's this beautiful marriage of something that's definitely computer generated, um, but also feels hand done, so it's essentially like, um, imagine the concept art for anything and them taking that and using that as the production art. Like usually the concept art is a lot more whimsical. It's a lot more imaginative and it's a lot more detailed and therefore really hard to execute in a production art way. Cause usually there's a lot of revisions, especially for making a game where, um, it's very different from making an app where usually in the app, the designers rule and the developers have to follow suit with their ideas. Like in games culture, it definitely feels like the opposite where the developers have their mechanics, which is the backbone of the game. And the designers are stuck with iterating at the end. And, um, for whatever reason, like it just has a beautiful balance of like mechanics and, and visuals um, that I super duper dug. Um, imagine like Rayman Legends only cooler. And um, yeah, I, w- I was playing that this past weekend. I just decided to set everything by the wayside and really get into that. And it was a super cool experience. I'm glad that you said it. I, I have not played it yet. But it's been one of those titles that I say, like, ah, I wonder if I should try it out. So do I'm it. absolutely going to have to play What, Dude, what are you playing right now, actually? Can we go there? Can... Uh, no, I will. Okay, so I will say, like, I'm... Okay, so now that I work at GameSpot and Giant... Uh, um... What? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're also potentially hiring designers right now. Cough hack. <laughs> Anyways, um... Uh... So I, I started there and everybody's like, oh my God, what are you, what are you playing right now? And I go, I'm terribly sorry. I played destiny <laughs> and 80% of the staff is like, wow, that's fucked up, dude. <laughs> and then there's the other 20% like, oh my God, do you have level 32 characters? <laughs> so yeah, no, that's, that's what I'm playing. That's right great, now. man. You need to get on that stream game, man.
You start streaming. Oh, uh, maybe this weekend. Ayo. I was reading the best Wikipedia page today. Did you know that at the turn of the century, we had designed and built two airships, and by airships I mean big blimps, that uh, functioned as uh, airborne aircraft carriers? Hmm. Really? What? Yeah. What? Yeah, we, we took off and landed... Uh, little like you know fighter planes. This is you know turn of the century, so we're talking about you know biplanes with uh, you know props and stuff. But they would take off from the airship and then return and land on the airship. Cool. That's pretty tight. Yeah. Turns out it was a really bad idea. They both crashed and are destroyed. But that's pretty crazy that we tried that. That's all I'm saying. 